chat. Thank you for telling me about the telephone thing. Yeah. Like, kind of freaks me out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There we go. Scott's wonky again. Yes, you're here. Hey, Scott. That sounds really loud. Yeah, I know. I turned everything up because I couldn't hear Trisha, and now everybody's screaming. No, Cat is really loud, too. Cat, are you still loud? Talk. Uh, I don't know. Horribly loud. Hello, hello. But I just turned everybody down, so that might be Seem pretty normal to me. I don't know. Yeah. Cat seems a little um, robotic. That could be just me. I think it, what it is, it's not a robotic. It's, it's bringing because of the volume. Uh... So for those of you who are enjoying this story. I am really totally now. Don't ruin it for me. No, 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 no. New Live Journal post. I rock. That is all. Guess what? After a long, drawn-out writing process, I have finally finished the first draft and felt the need to celebrate. So, she's got a new story coming. Oh. Hmm. There's an excerpt from the new story. We don't even get a title. Nine. And she said, I thought I might give you a little taste and I wanted to torture you. <laughs> is, it a, like, is it a oh, Potter fic nice. or is it a Hunger uh, Games fic? Burrow, Ron, Harry, I would say it's Potter. Okay. Well, she's been writing Hunger Games, too. Yeah, I know. I don't know that one. Nope. We lost Cat. Okay. Do you hear me now better? There you go. A little better, yeah. Thank you. Is it quieter? It is. A little bit. Should I I have um, turn it down? Should I turn it down? No, you're fine. I think you're fine. It seems to be about normal. It's actually better than it was. (laughs) I like her avatar. Just had a scary bout of sanity. But don't worry. Everything's back to crazy now. (laughs) So last night I said, hey, Kat, have you ever read Away from the Sun? She said, no, Sue. I said, oh, well, we've got an extra place on the podcast if you'd like to join us. She said, oh, okay, I'll read it. And I'm thinking, that's a lot to read in a day. I think she finished it. Mm -hmm. She blamed you for doing nothing except sleep. Well, I am midterms. And I did have adventures yesterday, so I felt I deserved a day off. Just because we almost made you choke on your salad. It's not our fault. Welcome to podcast. Who did we lose now? We've I, lost I, Kelly. No, we I wasn't Kelly. as I just have I wasn't as bothered with the fact that I I I'm was choking you. on my salad. It was that no one got up to help me. Aww. And I was making the noise. <laughs> and like no one was no one moved at all. And it was like, what? <laughs> What chapter are we on this time? I forgot. 14. 14. Thank you. No, I should go back to 14. Stop reading 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially since we're only going to 18. I was just all excited that I, I was ahead. I know. That is pretty exciting. So, here's me pouting. My mother came home last night. I went and picked her up from the airport. I thought to myself, oh, I get to sleep in. I don't have to go feed the stupid animals. I don't have to deal with them. Mom will do it. I get up. I go to the bathroom. I'm sitting there. My phone beeps. Beep, beep, beep. I'm like, crap. Now what do I do? So I get to the phone finally and she's like, I've hurt my knee. I can't go to the chicken. I'm like, what do you mean you hurt your knee? You haven't done anything. She's like, I can't walk. So I had to go do the chicken. I had to go. Whatever. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was watching all of you kind of just like light up. It was like a bunch of Christmas trees and I'm Ain't anything. <laughs> could you hear it was like, the recordings? Like, I could hear myself no. laughing. So I knew no, it wasn't me because I wasn't laughing. So no. I was like, okay, the recording must be working. We couldn't hear anything. Okay. Yeah. When Trisha was talking about losing you, Sue, I was losing her. So mm. it might mess. be on your end, Trisha. I don't know. Yeah, now it sounds like the Daleks are starting to get Scott to me. All right. Sounds like cats in a wind tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll just have all sorts of things in this podcast. So much trouble here. Well, should we try? 
Why not? Alright. Wait, you're going to hang up on us again? No, we're just going to do it. Okay. Who wants to introduce us? Do we remember who's done it before? I've um, done it before. I think that just went away. Um, I've done it before. I did it first. I think I may have done it. And you did it once. You did it last week. Hold on, I have someone yelling at me, so here comes the ruler again. Or the Uh-oh. thing. <laughs> hey! So she's trying to cover What's up it? her Chewie, and she's dragging the cord with the adapter over to it to cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny. She's so funny. Here, here, use those. I just threw my socks over at her. Let's see if she, let's see if she, just, she uses them. Socks. Hi, Trisha. Hello. You noticed that was me again. <laughs> Somehow Here we know these things. Like. We'll there you go. Good girl. She just moved the socks over on top of the Chewy. Oh, that was there nice. you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's good. Now she's covering it up. That's funny. Move, push down with her nose. Move, push, move, push. They're all covered up. Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Really funny. Did we lose Cat again? Oh boy. Yeah, Cat's the new Scott. Somebody has to be the new Scott. It seems <laughs> to be a podcast. I think Scott should think. be Cat and Cat should be Scott. <laughs> All right, don't confuse me. I'm the one having to push the buttons. But if you make Cat Scott and Scott Cat, and that makes me Sue, and I don't have any chickens. I can sit it's here true. <laughs> I can just be me again. <laughs> you can be the milkman. <laughs> oh, dear. Shut up, I saw him yesterday. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, hi. And I'm like, oh, God, get me sloppy here. Run away, run away. Help me. Yeah. For Wednesday, January 18th. Happy birthday, Ryan. This is episode 136. Welcome to the place where hey, the story Ryan. never ends. The next time in this episode, we feature typically Pufuanian on-topic discussion. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> I can touch my toes to the faucet. I can turn on the sink with my feet. It's like the Manhattan Project. Don't take offense to this, guys. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> no, they're not! <laughs> you always laugh before the end. But I think we please where the story lands. Welcome to Butterfic Weekly, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm, I'm Kelly. Sue. <laughs> I'm Trisha. I almost made it. I'm laughing. And I'm the caboose of the train wreck. <laughs> and I'm the caboose. <laughs> oh, boy. Are we going to sing the peanuts out on a railway track? No. Okay. Like ran over by a train. I can't remember how. Yeah. My children came, came rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no. My preschoolers, we did purse today. We did tree. We did watermelon. We did pumpkin. That's the only one that fits with butter, but they think it's the funniest mm-hmm. thing in the world. Train came rolling down the track. Choo choo tree butter. <laughs> tree butter. <laughs> wow. Butter. I am like missing everybody. Is it tree butter like maple syrup? Well, it's like purse butter. I don't know. I just sing it. It's silly. It keeps their attention while we're washing hands. It works for me. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so, well, we've introduced. So, we're going to be doing chapters do you, 14 through... Do you want to try it again? Oh, we want to try re- it again. Reintroduce? All right. We may want to reintroduce. think we please where the story lands.
never ends. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Butterfick Weekly, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Kelly. I'm Trisha. And I'm Kat. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that no worry, that sound a sound okay? Yeah. I actually, and I think we should insert crickets yeah, you... in between. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> we could edit the silences. Oh, no, no, I like it. I think it's funny. It's like da 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 da. That is long yeah, pause. I could just imagine <laughs> all of us sitting there going, <laughs> like, "Who's next? Who's next?" This is what happens when you sit them in front of microphones and don't give them an order. Oh, I have to tell you, the gal who sits on the other side of the wall for me at work came around and said, what's the name of your podcast again? I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, her husband is going to, he downloads podcasts. And I'm like, it's on iTunes. uh." (laughs) I don't remember what it's called. Uh, I gave her the name, but I said, be aware that this is a group of people that we all know each other and talk every week. And so the first 10 or 15 or half hour of the podcast is, so what did you do this week? And she just laughed. I also uh, um, <clears throat> plug for another podcast. Gave her, told her to have him listen to Spellcast too. Robert, <laughs> <laughs> if it ever comes out, this is a test. Stopping by the woods on a snowy evening. Tell me if I'm breaking up. This is only a test. Whose woods these are? I think I know. You're not breaking up too badly. Occasionally, there's a little click that seems fine to my end. That's you. That's you knitting. That click. That's me. That's um, my knitting. No, it's like the microphone pop kind of thing. If you pair it with the title of Mama, the name just became a bit easier. Yeah, you sound okay now. It's okay. Mama! It's very- Sorry. <laughs> Mama! <laughs> so that was and the actually- last fix, but- Mama! <laughs> Well, and I just read Stop. part of the first line of the first sentence of the fic. Mm-hmm. I so that. before we get started, Kat was brought into the podcast last night. And Kat, we're starting with chapter 14. Yeah. And I would like your impressions of the first 15 parts of the story. Or this, I should say the first 14 well, parts, the preface and the first 13 chapters. I have to say, the beginning of it reminded me, like, kind of of G.A. Jane, uh, the movie with Demi Moore, because it was like, I, I mean, parts of it actually seemed rather lifted out of it, because there's a scene where she's trying to get over this wall, and in the fanfic, she's like, didn't he hit a wall? Quite literally. And I'm like, yeah, that's G.I. Jane. But I've been increasingly intrigued by fanfiction that does not necessarily have the, you know, let's pop off the sunset happy ending that so many fanfictions have because, I mean, it gets boring after a little bit. So you always want, you know, that that fiction that keeps you hot. It turned out not to be, it just it's a really angsty that will eventually come out to be a happy ending and it's pretty <laughs> evident by like chapter 10 that that's where, I'm not spoiling, I'm saying, by chapter 10 you can tell that that's where the author's heading. That's true. That Ginny's going on this this journey to find Harry. Well, I mean, I know fan fiction authors. It's not like, oh, she's never going to find Harry. And, you know, it's it's pretty evident that she's <laughs> going to find Harry. And I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with really angsty fix. I was a little disappointed because, I mean, I, I, I still have yet to find that one really great fic that does not have 
of a happy ending. So those are my thoughts about the first 13 parts. Okay. Well, as Kelly said, we're starting with chapter 14 today and going through to chapter 18. And it starts off where well, the, the name where of we the left chapter off last is... time, they just found <clears throat> out this name, Mama Jessen, and she thinks they're looking somewhere in the States, and they're going to try and find out who this person is. Right. Okay, can I the name of the... one thing? My, my um, reader, sorry. Go ahead. My reader was calling it Jetson, and so all of a second, the Jetsons. <laughs> and so I was thinking, like, where's Astra? <laughs> So the name of this chapter is what Kelly was going to tell us is it's the only one you've got. And mm-hmm. I presume this is also a song title because apparently they all are. are Most of them I haven't heard of, but there you go. Titles. Yes. They've gone to look for Mama Jessen. Mm-hmm. And it's not really an easy task because it's not a really uncommon surname. At least it's not Jones or Smith or something, but still there are a number of Jessens and it's a good thing they have the detail of her being called Mama because that kind of narrows things down a fair bit. Well, but first Jasper is still yeah. worried oh, yeah. it's going to take south. months. Yeah, your first thought was the South. Yeah, first anybody call, call Mama. It's usually it's very Southern. So, yes. at, least, at least I think so. Unless you're a Muppet, apparently. But oh, yeah. don't start, Kelly. Don't. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Please don't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I'm on beat drums. Mama! Yeah, so For those of you following me. along, we just released our second episode of this season right before we're recording this podcast. So that's how long it Ke- takes us Kelly, to have, Kelly, have what? you seen the Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody version that the Muppets put on? Yeah, that's what she's um, talking about. Would you, would everybody talking. please explain to Kat how many times I've seen the Bohemian Rhapsody and Mama? Mama! Let's see, uh, Mama! Mama! More times than you've seen a Barry Potter music. And I haven't actually had anything to drink. That's really sad. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen it about. You missed me know, drinking Kool Aid. Well, Couple dozen AVPM times. AVPM is, is, is far longer than the Bohemian Rhapsody. I've seen it quite a few times now. Mm, that's true. So they're off to find Mama. Mama Jessen. <laughs> <laughs> and they started this out as well. I think anytime we have, to told them it was hot. we have to do it, Mama. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. They find Mama. Mama made me cry. And not the Muppet Mama, but this Mama. Mm-hmm. Mama Jessen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does. They Oh you'll 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 see. They mm-hmm. find four in this particular area and they go looking and finally they find this particular one whose daughter it's, it's her daughter or is it her granddaughter? Granddaughter. It's granddaughter lets them mm. in. It's a granddaughter. And yeah. in Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. And if anybody's been to Savannah, has has anybody here been to Savannah? Uh-uh. I've never I've been, been to Savannah. Savannah. I've been to Savannah, Georgia. It is a Beautiful town. And and we were there for like, oh, you know, gorgeous. 10 hours and that was it. We were at Tybee and 
it's very, very quaint. It's southern. You, you, it's just, I, it's hard to describe Savannah, but it's, yeah, it's a really nice town. It's also a shipping port, and they also I've read a have. Books that are set there. It seems like it would yeah. be interesting. It is. It's it's yeah, yeah. it's your quintessential southern town. Mm-hmm. So so they find this woman in Savannah. They do. Mm-hmm. They've ruled out two of them, and uh, they go to the third one, and it seems to be the right one. At first, they're not sure because it's this young woman answering the door. But her grandmother worked as a nurse two years before that. After forty years in total of being a nurse, and she just retired two years before they show up. And, right. Yeah. So think about the time the time that we're doing here. They have been away from Great Britain for a year, at least. Well, it's got to be longer than that, because how long does it take to train to train as an ah. oar? She went into the oar, and she was a trainee. She was assigned to Trammel around the anniversary of one year. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is, so this is at least... She's been there for a while, then they left. Yeah. yeah. And if Mama Jensen, Mama Jensen retired two years ago... Yeah. She retired. Yeah. So it's so yeah. Two, it's been probably two and a half, almost three years since Harry quote unquote died. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So they've been on the road for a while. Yeah. Okay. So they explain to the young woman whose name is Tessie that they think that her grandmother may have taken care of a friend of theirs that they're looking for. And that, and of course, Tessie's like, well, she took care of a lot of people and it was a long time and stuff. And they, you know, Jenny says, yeah, you might think we're crazy, but this friend is really important to us. And so the woman invites them in and introduces herself and then sits down and kind of explains about her grandmother. Yeah. Because she's having memory she's problems. She's been having yeah, memory issues and well, they're like, oh. They had, oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's so her memory is coming and going. She worked on a military base uh-huh. and mm-hmm. at the base hospital. But the last few years she was there, she worked on a special project. Something top secret. That she mm-hmm. wouldn't that she wouldn't talk about. Yeah. And that's when she started having memory problems because right. Tessie would take her dinner and she wouldn't remember what she'd been doing all day. Mm-hmm. And Ginny and Jasper are sort of going, Yeah, that sounds like a memory charm. <laughs> sounds yeah. like the person we're looking for. Well and apparently she had been on this project for five or six years or I'm sorry she'd been on the project for three or four years because it was five or six years ago and she's been retired for two Mm -hmm. so this is something that went that was before long before Harry and Kingsley were attacked in the minister's office right Mm -hmm. Harry was one of the last ones yeah well and there's a reason for that and we'll find out what yeah. that reason is. I'm sure we will find out eventually. Oh, yeah. So, so i got to see what my little flower's doing right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I've heard him described as a flower, but okay. It's either the two-legged one or the four-legged Tessie one. was <laughs> reminding me of Trisha. What was? Tessie Rue was reminding me of Trisha. Yeah, the little it's, one. It's hard to keep They were coming in and there were... Um, Toys all over the place, and she's like, eh, "I can't always keep up with my son." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually thought the same thing. Oh well. So. I suppose I should say that when Trisha's actually here to respond, but, you know. <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> we'll let her listen. So, to it. so she's talking about okay. you know they think it's Alzheimer's. Right. They think they think the reason that she's having the memory issues is is Alzheimer's, and she goes and gets her and she wheels her in. To talk to her, to talk to them. Right. And she's trying to prepare them for, you know, she may not remember anything that you needed to remember. So 
don't expect too much. Right. Yeah. And Jessica's saying the same thing. Don't get your hopes but up. The, but the first thing she says, you know, and Tessie says, Tessie says, look, there's people here to see you. And she's like, I don't know them. Yeah. So she knows that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Ginny introduces herself and Jasper and says, we think you might have taken care of a friend of ours when you worked for the government. And Mama Jensen's looking around and she's like, are we having chicken for dinner? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. this is going to be tough. <laughs> this is not a good sign. I kind of <laughs> wonder, though, whether it was just her getting Tessie out of the way. It's That's what possible. I was thinking, too. Well, but she didn't. She's still there. And I just and you just what, Tricia? Come back. Oh, I I like when she um like Jenny's like Mrs. Jetson. It's Mama Jetson. Now I'm saying Jetson now. Sorry, <laughs> Jetson. But, yeah, everybody calls me Mama. And so Jenny Mama. shows her. <laughs> so Jenny shows her some pictures. Right. And the two and the two pictures are Marius, Africa boy. It's Africa boy. And the other one is Harry. And the Africa boy was the first one. He was my mm-hmm. first boy. Yeah. And then she talks, and she talks about him. There was Millie, yeah. Malice, and me. There were eight of them. Right. And the last and she one was. He has magic. Right. Yeah. Tessie, of course, doesn't believe her. Oh, don't make stuff up again. But, uh, mm-hmm. but she picks it up and she looks at one. And she says, you know, she gives her the other picture and says, was he one of them, one of your boys? And she looks at it and she says, that's my Joe. Mm hmm. Oh, Which he was a, a fighter. My ordinary Joe. Reference right back yeah. to the preface. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. There's Joe. And we're like, ah! <laughs> I like so him. now. I like how she said he just wanted to be ordinary. That's so yeah. hairy. I yeah. love that. That's so hairy. Mm-hmm. I know immediately. Yeah, that's hairy, yeah. <laughs> but now Ginny knows for sure mm-hmm. that he was alive. Right. Yeah. But she doesn't know if he is still. She yeah. just knows he was in this experiment. Because she, Mama Jensen saying, you know, he was strong and he was a fighter and he was a willful child and that they didn't like him and he wouldn't take his medicine and he blew things up. And then she kind of looks and Ginny, you know, a sob escapes from Ginny and Mama Jensen looks down and says, but they broke him, that he stopped fighting and let them do their tests. and Their brain tests. Yeah. And Ginny says, what happened? I have to know. And she fades out. She doesn't say anything for a long time. Tessie can tell that this is more than just a friend they're looking for. Right. Yeah. Jasper has to answer because Ginny can't. Yeah. They would have been married. They were in love. Tessie's like, well, how'd he get here? And they said, well, he was kidnapped for an experiment. And she's like, well, my grandmother didn't have anything to do with that. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And Mama says, it's a secret. I'm not supposed to tell. They don't want to tell. Yeah. And she says, I cried and cried. He was my last boy. And then she mm-hmm. said he died, and Ginny just yeah. loses it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like how um, Jasper says in there, it's, it's like she just lost them all over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's been going through a lot trying to get this far, and then to run up against a wall is kind of so slap That's in the face. a heck of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so disheartening, yeah. And, you know, Mama, she just doesn't, she doesn't quite know what she's done. And she says, you know, I cried and cried for my ordinary Joe. And she says, we used to play hopscotch. (laughs) (laughs) So she's kind of fading out again. Yeah, so we have, you're right. I mean, she really just goes through all of this again. Oh, yeah. Poor Jenny. way that they, um, way she writes about Mama, it is very similar to Alzheimer's. Right. And how they, they're there a couple seconds and they'll just go to the plant doing the hopscotch. Well, and, and then you're, very similar. You know, it's, she's she's, she she's going well. through all this again, 
And Jasper sits her down and says, you need to, you need to eat. You need to pull yourself back together. Well, first, and, though, doesn't well, she? She goes to sleep and she has a dream. Yeah. And she dreams about corridors and hallways. And, well, no, I guess I'm wrong. No, that's, I think that's a different section here. She's, this is, this is the. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. She, she, she doesn't dream in this one. She just passes out. Right. And then when she wakes up again, uh, she's still feeling horrible. And then that's when Jasper comes in with a tray. Right. Okay. And she feels like she's failed him. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know, she says, well, and he says, wait a minute. Before you, before you give up, think about what has been done to that woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What proof she do you has, have that she's any more right than the she can't and she can't even before. focus. This is you know she can't focus. What are we in for dinner? You know. Yeah. So he says, you know, we're not giving up. I'm not walking away, and I'm not going to allow you to either. And then we have the dream. Well, I knew mm-hmm. it was in here somewhere. Uh huh. And uh, so much for Jasper only being there a month. Yeah, he's been there quite a bit longer. <laughs> oh well. Yes, this is the section of the dream. I'll give you a month. (laughs) Is that in in dog years or is that in millennia? (laughs) (laughs) So she's in this dream and she's walking and she hears this hissing sound. and She turns around with her wand ready thinking something's coming after her and it's Harry. And he's kind of in front of her in a doorway and she hears the hissing sound behind her again and it makes her think of the basilisk. And she yells and says she's coming and she starts running. But of course, you know, as in all dreams like this, the distance doubles and triples and she's not getting any closer. Mm -hmm. And she keeps running past doors and it's different groups of people in these doors, but there's something wrong with them. There's one with Jasper in it, except she can tell it isn't really Jasper. And then the next one, it's the burrow with all of her family there, except George turns to her and says, this isn't right. And she keeps going. Mm -hmm. He goes, just run. And I'm thinking, run, Forrest, run. That day on, I was going somewhere. I was running. <laughs> oh boy, can't say I had that thought, but I guess it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Mama bustling in, and she says, "How's my ordinary Joe today?" And he tells her and it's he's Harry been bad. in the hospital bed. Yeah, and he's smiling at her. I've been bad again. Ha ha ha! You know, I'm fighting with everything. And right. Ginny comes in and says that she's missed him. And and he says, you've been gone a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, she says, no, Harry, it was you. You were the one that was gone. And he says, oh, it doesn't matter. And Mama says, you need to go. And Ginny says, no, I need to stay. I can't leave. And she says, well, you've got to go. They won't like you being here. Mm-hmm. And then everyone turns around and there's a shadow that's come into the room and all sorts of ominous things start happening. and. Basically, a spell flashes across and hits Harry, and he's bleeding through the chest. All sorts of stuff. And they blame her. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. right. It's not good. And then kind of the shadow me. finally steps out, and it's a mirror version of Jimmy, basically. What were you saying, Trisha? It reminds me of Star Wars. <laughs> Luke, I'm your father. No, no Luke, me, Luke, me. 
Are you talking about the are you talking about the tree with the fate? Yeah, he goes into the he, yeah, he goes yeah. into the tunnel and he starts fighting uh-huh. with the fader and then he like cuts off his head and the mask blows up into his face. That's yeah. because the the metaphor is you're battling yourself. That's all it is. You are your own I did love I did love to see so many fanfics out there have Harry doing the, you know, it was my fault thing. And it's very nice to see like there's other characters that you can reflect this, reflect this realistically, where Jimmy's turn to, you know, because we we all have those moments of, you know, it was my fault when there's no one to blame. And it's nice to not have it be stereotyped as just one character because we, we only see in the canon uh Harry's perspective, so we're always gonna see him blaming himself and we never see the other characters blame themselves. Right. So it's nice to have something from a different point of view. So she wakes up. Yeah. And, and yeah. Runs to the runs bathroom. Runs to the bathroom to throw up, I think. Yay, moment! Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, she's been waiting all night for that one. <laughs> I just had a flashback to like the early episode before. This is I my love that story. I forgot Trisha liked vomit. I totally forgot that. <laughs> Who knew? There's more coming this is why I, lo- I like Heather. This is when the story got good for me. There is more coming. <laughs> more vomit coming. I do realize that's going to show up in our I know. intro one of these days. <laughs> it's vomit! Yay! <laughs> he vomited! Oh, boy. For all of I you spiky writers out there, if you want Trisha to like your story but vomit in it somewhere, you'll have a fan for life. <laughs> so Ginny looks no, up after it. rinsing her mouth out, and she looks almost like the darker version of her from the dream because her hair is all clumped together and it looks dark because nighttime and, and there's only sweating. moonlight. Likely she was yeah. sweating and everything too. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And she stumbles back to bed. And she she really isn't sure how she's going to hold on, but hopefully Jasper's plan that he has, he has a plan, uh, will pan out. Well, and I think that this is her lowest point here mm-hmm. in the story. This is her, you know, you, you have the roller the coaster. The she's of, ever gotten to really losing hope. Yeah, and, and you, you really have a roller coaster of despair and elation, and this is the bottom of the trough on despair. Because I think if she wasn't so damn stubborn, then she'd probably go home at this point. Well, Jasper won't let her go home anyway. He's gonna tie her to the tired t- tire to the to the car or whatever they're using to transportation wise. But yeah, I was gonna say tie her to bed, but then I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. I was, <laughs> you know, well, so let's not go there. <clears throat> so so she comes up, or he wakes, he comes in and says, "You look like shit. <laughs> yeah. Your day of feeling sorry for yourself is over." So now we start climbing the mountain again. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and and chapter fifteen is called "Going Down in Flames," which is not a promising chapter title, but <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fire! If you're gonna go down, go down in flames. Right. Flame on. There is that. <laughs> so she gets, like I said, she gets up and scrubs off the despair, and he comes in and says, "Okay, I've ordered everything off of the room service menu that we have, and you ready to listen to the plan?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and somewhere during the shower kind of thing, she it finally hits her. Harry is a fighter. And if anyone could have survived, it would have been him. Yeah. And so she's ready. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and they've decided what they're going to go do and guess what the is plan find is, this military base. Because that's going the only thing the they base. have at this point. Yeah. yeah. They're going to break in? Yep. Break into a secure facility. Woo! <laughs> yeah, kind of like the French movie staple or something. I don't know. Ministry of Magic. <laughs> they've already done that. And why not? <laughs> that's true. And the French Aura's <laughs> office. The of place, so you all know. various other stuff. But I love her. She swears, almost drops the plate of food back on the table and says, are you insane? And he's like, I've been told that often. Yeah, but see, (laughs) the thing was, she's creeped out by this. She's like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, go to this place where they may have kept him. And he says, you know, we don't have any choice. This is where we have to go. Yeah. We've got to. We have nothing left. And so that's what they do. And here we go. And, of course, he's got a plan. So he's... (laughs) I love I wonder if he has a cigar. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> I like this. He gets them uniforms, and he says, the gun's real. Try not to shoot anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And she's polyjuiced into looking like one of the people, and he's, of course, morphed himself to look like one of the people. Well, and one of the things that he did while she was grieving he went back and talked to mama jessica right and she told him about the base right don't know if she told him intentionally because tessie took a little nap while (laughs) jasper was there but jasper is not going to this woman has been through so much right he's not going to hurt her to to get the information although I can't imagine trying to get information from somebody who is suffering from what appears to be Alzheimer's and is probably, you know, has layers of memory charms. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine what they did if they did that to the wizards? What would they do to the muggles? Right. I mean. Well, they think she, don't, they think that she is a, a witch. No. No, I don't she's think not. Her granddaughter doesn't no. know. She's I a muggle. I seem to recall that came up at some point. Yeah, she, she's not a witch. She has a certain uh, amount of talent herself, but her grandmother doesn't know. Because they talk about how, how bad it must have been for her that even being a witch, she can't convince her family that it's real. She just has to, they all think she's making stuff up. Right. Okay. So I kind of wonder if it is Alzheimer's or is it, is it, it's just spell damage. I think it's both. Yeah. She's been a, she's been a nurse for a really, really, I mean, she's in her, she's in her sixties, probably seventies easily. Mm-hmm. And an older black woman as a nurse for 40 years, that would have been, she would have had a nurse's degree in the early sixties. She would have had to have been at least 35 before she got that degree because there wasn't an opportunity. They did not have opportunity to go to nursing school and, and to do things like that, even in the military. So she was probably 75 years old easily right. and infirm, especially since she's in a, in a wheelchair. I would imagine that it's a combination of both spell damage and Alzheimer's. Yeah. Okay. But who's to say that the Alzheimer's wasn't induced by the, the spell damage? damage? That's exactly what right. I was thinking. Yeah. So. The I mean, spell damage uh, brought it on. Sorry, Trisha. That's all right. I was agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that he got from Mama was that it was very green. So they're kind of looking for maybe something green, and they're thinking it's going to be far away from the rest of the stuff because it's obviously an active military base, and they can't do too much blatant magic because somebody will notice. Oh, yeah. As they're driving around, they find these three buildings. They're really low buildings, and they're painted green, 
And so they think, okay, this must well, be they're, it. They're kind of like, well, they're bunkers. Right. Yeah. They're mostly underground. Yeah. They're bunkers. I mean, think about where this was. This is on a military base in Georgia. So it's fortified. Oh. You know, this, these, those bases have been there for a century. And they fortified how many bases on the east and west coast during World War II? You know, so that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at Cold War era bunkers on these bases. So they park the car and get out and slip underneath the invisibility cloak. And Judy tells him, this isn't going to be very easy because we're getting, you know, we're tall. And Harry and I tried to sneak out once and Ron caught us because he could see the edges of Harry's shoes. So right. we're going to have to be really careful. And Doyle says, well, we can't use magic unless we have to because they might be monitoring for magic. So he snuggles up really close beside behind her back. And she's kind of stiffens. I, you know, you get the impression she hasn't been touched a lot since Harry yeah. left. Mm-hmm. But they set off and go to the first bunker. And yes, it's a tense situation generally. So, you know. well, sure. And the first one is offices. Right. All the file mm-hmm. cabinets are empty. Every paper is gone. It's just empty. Mm-hmm. And they found a room with a locked door, mm-hmm. and it has office equipment broken. And scattered office all over the room. Yeah. All over the room. So somebody had a rampage. Yeah. And then the room that's next to it is bags full of shredded paper. It's people escaping whatever's going on pretty quickly, uh, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if Harry has something to do with it, but we don't know anything about that so far. Right. And Ginny's starting to get really angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but first, she has to pause and drink polyjuice again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And he's, so now he's hidden their magical signatures and their fingerprints. And even put the mud back on the window that they climbed in on, so that people can't tell they've been there. Which is impressive for noticing. Oh, like but I, was a, I guess they're a, trained yeah, yeah. for that. <laughs> and yeah. um, he says, "Hey, they go into the next one, the next building." And it's and it was three times and it was all and it's all open on the inside. Right. And she goes to climb in and ends up dangling by her fingers and having to drop and slow herself down with her wand. Right. Mm -hmm. And she realizes that it's it has to be magic because it's three times as big on the inside than it is on the outside. Yeah. Somebody's done a TARDIS. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and the thing is that there's spell damage, spell fire residue. Mm. It looks like a firing range almost. Yeah. And that he realizes that there's no dust on the floor, right? Which means people clean somebody's it. been there. Yeah, somebody, there. somebody's been there. And we find out, and I don't know if we knew about this before or not, but we find out that Ginny has almost a feeling for magic and for wards. Yeah, and so she can feel. So she gets up close to the wall where the spell damage is. And she can't even get within like six inches of it without feeling all of these wards and things that contain it. So basically, you can fire away and fire away in there, and nobody's going to hear anything because they've got it all soundproof warded. Yeah, it's interesting. Reminds me of another fact that I can't remember the name of right now, but it's, I didn't end up continuing to read it all. But somebody's gone back and completely upended basically the magic system of the books. And so they're having Harry start at Hogwarts and nothing is actually like the way it is in the books. And based on your family, you have magical specialties. Like the Potters have been ward masters for years and years. And he okay. finds this out in his vault and various other things. And his friend that he makes is a um, from a tracker family and various other different things like that. Just 
Wow. That was fun. What was that? What was that? I don't know. It wasn't for my end. It wasn't me. Oh, it's Kat. Yeah. What are you doing, Kat? My cell phone uh, vibrated. Oh, vibrated. Okay. <laughs> wow. That was weird. I have a cell phone vibrating story for you. Okay. Sue, Sue knows this. Sue and I were talking on Skype one night with Robert. And Robert fell asleep. <laughs> and we could hear him snoring. <laughs> and he could and he wouldn't wake up. He slept for what was it? Almost oh, an hour. He slept for a long time. Long time. So I'm like, well, let's call his I'll, let me call his cell phone. Maybe it'll ring and wake him up. So I dial the phone and over the Skype we hear bzz, bzz, and it's like, damn, it's on vibrates. <laughs> <laughs> It was very funny. It was funny because yeah, we could hear it vibrating. We couldn't wake him up. Like, we were yelling. He had fallen asleep, and his headphones had come off, and he was lying on the floor. <laughs> I don't know if he was on the Skype. <laughs> but yeah, I think we should oh, go with that story. That's a good one. Oh, it was hysterical. I have a, I was starting so fun. So before I got an iPhone, I kept my phone in my pocket because um, it was small enough. And I went up to see some my aunt and uncle and cousin. And they have this little wiener dog that likes to, you know, she's very skittish because she was a rescue dog that was had been abused. And like a year ago, I finally got this dog onto my lap. And of course, somebody chooses that you know, moment to tweet me. This dog jumps about three feet in the air, like races a crumb and has never been on my lap since. And everyone in the room thought it was hilarious, but it was like, poor dog. Yeah, it's a startling noise. Yes, it is. The gal who sits across from me in my cube, she's got an iPhone and she has it on vibrate, but her husband is constantly texting her and calling her. And so, and I've got my elbow on my desk. And her, and so I hear, and I can feel it through my elbow on my desk. <laughs> oh my god! Like, oh, wow. <laughs> iPhone vibrate. iPhone. iPhone. There you go. We're way off course. Okay, so somebody's been here. They're still using it, but Jasper decides he doesn't think they're using it for the same thing. They're just mm-hmm. somebody's using the space. Because it's been years, and there would be some other sign that Project Lucas was still happening. Right, so. like cars, <laughs> people. Yeah, and they guess that the reason that this is here is that they want to make sure the magic still works after they take the memories. Well, could yeah. be. We don't know, but that's what he thinks. So, um, they move towards the third building, and but this the third one building has a camera, mm-hmm. many cameras. Yes. Yeah, but they have a strategy, which is kind of neat. <laughs> hey, we're wind. I like the dust devil. Yes, Ginny casts the yeah, wind was, charm you know that blows all the leaves past the cameras and just and they run. Yeah, they sneak in the door. But they go in here, and there are papers everywhere, yeah. and it's dusty, so nobody's been in here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's magic everywhere, but something bad happened. Mm-hmm. This is when she goes through the second door into one of the sort of hospital rooms or whatever, and there's all this magic. Yeah. yeah. And it's enough residual magical energy to actually knock her back a step. So that's really strong magic. Yeah. This is an interesting ability they've given Ginny. Apparently, she's always been sensitive to wards and large bursts of magic. I don't think there's any actual evidence of that in canon. I thought but- this was kind of interesting, especially... 
I thought it was good because especially since her brother is, I mean, he's a curse breaker. Right. So I would think that would be more of like a kind of like a straight thing. So it's not really out of the ordinary. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> she has to be sensitive to large bursts of magic to avoid things thrown by the twins. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> that, that very strange flapping sound you heard the was the dog yeah. <laughs> with your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get the dog on the podcast. Right. Then Good we girl. have a large bloody spot on the wall. Just and that was my cat. On the wall. On the wall. And, and then you knew this was coming. And mm. Trisha is about to be very happy again. Yes, she is. Yes, was taking because... uh, her whole focus not to either vomit spectacularly or exploded fury. Right. So, yeah. Um... Vomit, vomit. No. <laughs> She did, actually. How old are you? <laughs> Do you really want me to answer that? So, so she can. She moves on, and then she finds the room that was Harry's, and that's yeah. When, and yeah. she can tell that it was that's the room that was in. magic. Mm-hmm. And, and Joel says, uh, "We should move on to some of the untouched ones. There's a few more rooms along the hall." So, and yeah, and she vomits all over. I'm pausing for your squeak. We already did that bit. Uh, okay, there we got it. I, I, you know, figured it would happen on cue there, but no, it's too much. And Dole's, you know, apologizing for making her cup because this is so hard. Can for you imagine? But I, I can just see her. Oh, go ahead. I'll wait here. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No way. No way in hell. <laughs> and, and you know, she needed to know. That's true. Even if he's dead, and she can't bring herself to say that word. Someone has to know what they've done here. Yeah. And now they're looking for proof, more proof. Well, and they're finding, they're finding rooms that have every piece of furniture in the room has broken. Mm-hmm. They're finding beds with heavy restraints on them. Yeah. And, you know, surgical theaters, but everything's covered with dust. Right. This is the Which one is that this sign, is, really. this yeah. is what upset me. I said this a couple of episodes ago. And I said there was something coming up that I was really upset about, and it's this. It's the the pool of memories that they find on the floor. Oh, yeah. Because you just know, and she knows, if we can salvage them, and they're they're ruined. Mm-hmm. They're all mixed together with was- the blood and the potions and the dust. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just... <sighs> Oh, yes. man. And Jasper says, somebody had a really big fight to get out of here. And you're sort of going, hmm. Now, mm. who could that be? <laughs> <laughs> who has I, that much power? I would have no idea. I actually but didn't think this... of that the first time I read this chapter. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Harry. <laughs> but, yeah, it's that just killed me. I was just... Well, and I even went so far as to later, and you can, I don't either talk about this now or talk about it later. At some point, I asked the author, what about, she says, no, they never, those are, they're ruined. And I was upset. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you want Oh, yeah. Because here's, here are people's lives in a puddle on the floor. Right, mixed with other people's lives. Yes. And even if Ginny could You know, if they they brought you, say that again. If Snape was around, he'd be able to fix it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Just it out. And no, it would. If, would 
even if she had been able to get some, because she tries, she she scrabbles around in the glass until she finds a vial that's cracked but not completely broken, and she tries to scoop some up because she knows what these are. Oh, yeah. But even if she'd been able to do it, it wouldn't have worked because they've mixed with other people. So even if they had been able to put the memories back into somebody's brain, it wouldn't have been just their memories. It would have been mixed with other people's, and it would have been fragmented. And yeah, there's just no way. It I always thought it was like I always. Thought it- I, I did too. I always thought it was an individual thread. Yeah, that's what I always thought. And and I think that the problem with this is that it's not so much the that the memories are mixed together because Dumbledore takes several memories out and adds them to the pensive. Right, but they're all Those his are, memories. Right, but not they're not though, not in the later stories. Yeah. In 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 Half-Blood Prince you have different people's memories. That's true. It's almost like a strand of of wool, mm-hmm. you know, it's very loose. And in yeah. this case, I think it's because of the potions and the blood. And I think that's what's fragmented wow. these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... I that's... wonder how this author views the pensive memories, because there are a lot of different fanfics out there that, you know, you either, you can remember what, you know, happened, but not remember the details, not be able to, like, focus on what happened, but know that, like, something happened that, you know, you no, remember, no. like... I, I think these are copies. Like, I think I think she she feels that when you take a memory out and put it in a pensive, it's a copy. These were not copies. Well, and in canon, they're not copies. Yanked out by the they're they're, they're yanked out by the roots. Because Dumbledore says something. I think in canon. I think in canon they are Dumbledore copies. Says, says, no. Go ahead. No, Dumbledore says I often find myself feeling that my my mind is a little too full, and this helps me sort of out my memories right he takes so implying that he takes memories out when he can't focus on everything because he's had such a long life that you know so many things have happened that he needs to focus on one certain event or one certain time period will take out that memory and focus on it in the pencil where i can sort it out more i don't think i I don't think i disagree i disagree and the reason i disagree is because I, the reason I disagree is because if that was the case, then Slughorn would not have been able to change his own memory, and he would not have been able to send it again. He would not have had it I again it, I, to give to Harry in Half-Blood I, Prince. I think Dumbledore was saying in the thing is just because he needs a source, he's too full in his head. He goes and he takes the memory out, puts it in the pensive, and it looks and he's taking another perspective. Right, but he's taking the out. memory out of his head so that it's not in his head anymore. It's in he the can pensive, look at it, so he can look at it a different way. So yeah, but it's I, still in his head. The memory's still in his head. It's, I, I, I yeah, it's, it's, it's a copy. copy. <laughs> in this case, and I think because think of think about this in this case. They want to do two things. They want to extract as much as they can and then wipe. Right. Why would they need to wipe if they've already taken it out? Because sure. that's what they did here. They used layers of memory charms to wipe out the memory, but they had them in the vials. They had them in this cabinet, you know, so these are copies. I mean, because think about this. If you, if you did that, if, if removing a memory from your head made, made you never remember that, they could be a, they could have a black market of memories. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> well, and I agree with you like, here that this is a copy, but I, yes. I would not have said that in canon. Well, we can ask. You well, that. I don't know. It's, it's hard to know either way, but yeah. Jasper, I'm, 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 anyway, I'm I've seen it in many different ways. Wait a minute. We have two people talking at the same time. We do. 
Finish, yeah. Scott, and then Lassie can go. Scott, go. At any rate, Jasper takes Ginny away from this puddle of memories because he knows there's nothing she can do with this. Right. And there's at least one more room for them to look in. Yeah. Go, Kat. Oh, I was, I was going to say, I, I'm just, I was curious because I've seen it so many different ways and so many authors have this specific way of thinking of how pensive works. And, you know, J.K. Rowling was never clear on how pensive works. So I was, I was curious to what you guys thought. And so, so that's all. We'll have yeah. to ask Andy. Why does Skype yes. agree with me? Because it dropped me as soon as it, you said I disagree. I did. I'm, I'm sorry. Apparently, Skype's trying to shut me up. I didn't do it. I oh. promise. <laughs> they go to this last room and it's warded. Big time. Mm-hmm. And they can't get into it. No. Yeah, and they're like, haha, it's warded. That must mean there's something left to hide. Yeah. Which, of course, means they have to break in. And she and, works for like 15 minutes trying to get in, and, and all she can do is get this little hole that she can maybe get her arm through. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big ward. This is major stuff here. But she finally gets into it. Well, she just takes it down. She decides yeah, to just... She, yeah. takes, she takes the ward down. She's been working slowly because there's this alarm that she's trying to get around, but right. she can't manage to get it through the ward that way. So, so she like, just they just do it. Yeah. So they set the alarm They're off. They're not going to get here fast enough to catch us. So just, yeah, yep. break through, go through the whole thing. And they go into the room and it's full of files. Yeah, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Completely, yeah. completely free of dust and there's filing cabinets. And the filing cabinets have everything in them. Mm-hmm. And they start making copies or well, they start banishing it to the hotel. Right. Right. And then he says, yeah, we need to make copies when we get back and get things to Granger and get things to Tramel so that if something happens to us, somebody else has this information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's got the names of all the people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's just- Marius and Robert Fournier and Harry and John Simpkins. And it's all eight of the people and they have files on all of them. It's probably Fournier because he's French, but you know. Thank you. Sorry, Fournier. Fournier. Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Fournier. Fournier. And all of a sudden, we are interrupted. Yeah. And the well, you know, operation words <laughs> pop up. Yeah. All sorts of things. And he says, "Take these and go." And he dumps yeah. the files in her arms. And he says, "You can get through the wards. Just go." And she's yeah. like, "No, let's go together." And he says, "No, I've got to distract them. You need to go." Don't mm. let these people's sacrifices be in vain. Go find Harry. And she still doesn't go for it. He finally just yells at her, and so well, she has you know, to leave. That stunner kind of, kind of, you know, <laughs> the one that almost hit him pushed it. <laughs> yeah, the one that almost hit him. This is another sequence that is definitely action movie-ish. You can see this happening as they go through it. Right. Yeah. Her pleading uh, with him, him saying, just I like go, and the stuttering mm-hmm. spells coming through the door. It's Yeah, you can see that in the movie. Yeah. And backing up just a little bit, another thing that interests me that seems to be different from fic to fic is what exactly banishing is. Because when they're learning it in the books, banishing is just shoving something across the room. Mm-hmm. Yes. But People often mm-hmm. use it as transporting from one place to another. Right. Or it's almost like object. a form of Evanesco, where they disappear something. And that's the but vanishing Evanesco's, charm, which isn't That's the vanishing charm, right. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but in this case, it, you you're, don't know that it's going somewhere. So this, they have to have it right. going somewhere. 
I mean, I've seen banishing charms where you're right. It, you know, you take a, a load of laundry and you banish it down the hall to your room and it flies through the air, through the door and onto your bed, you know, I or hits the walking down the hallway. <laughs> I know, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> no, the I other that people coming down the hallway have to duck your laundry. <laughs> yeah. You know, I either need a banishing charm or maybe just a backhoe. I'm not really sure. <laughs> house elf? House elf would work. I just want a house elf. Yeah, I'd love a house elf. Mm. That would be good. Yurik? Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> did banish um, Harry's trunk? Dumbledore um, did. And yes. Edwig. Yeah, to the burrow. All the way to the right. burrow. Yeah, I wouldn't think they. I always thought it was like an inanimate object, but apparently you do animals too. Mm-hmm. Well, Dumbledore's a little special, anyway. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. The, maybe like, the physical movement animal. version is just the what you first le- learn as a student, or, and then it gets more complicated as you go, or something. Possible, because it's almost like telekinesis. Maybe it's just smaller than a bread box. <laughs> Could be. Maybe. I think the trunk's a little bit bigger than bread box. Yeah, but the trunk's not an animate object. <laughs> It's true. So well, she makes Edwig didn't show up with wings in the wrong places or anything, so it must have worked. He was That's a good thing not to splinch the bird. So, so she makes it back to the hotel room. She does. Mm-hmm. Which is very painful to do, but she oh, yeah. manages it. Guess she went through the wards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And here she's now she starts to read. Well, first she reading. needs to get away. So she yeah. she lays there for a little bit and recuperates, and then she packs and starts apparating all over God's green earth so that they can't follow her. Right. Mm-hmm. Finally, she falls into another hotel room. And goes to sleep. Well, not really even. She just sort of lays there on the bed, ends up having to stack files and copy them and send them off before she manages to sleep properly. Right. And this is where the name Norman comes up. Oh, She's yes. reading through Norman. all these files, and Donald Norman shows up all over the place. Donald Norman is a senator for the state of Georgia. Yeah, and he's apparently funding this project. But he's on the, the one last, down. he's the one that ceased and desist all operations in April of 1999, yeah. which mm-hmm. would have been the April after the October that Harry was Harry vanished, kidnapped. Right. Mm-hmm. So six months. So not only did he help arrange funding, but he knew about the experimental medicine mm-hmm. they were practicing at the army base. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so now we're going to go Jenny out. Jenny needs to get what she wants, and she decides the best way she can do that is find Senator Norman. Right. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm going to tell you what. And like I said before, you thought waterboarding was bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So that's Sorry, the end I'm, of yeah, chapter. It's been a little stressed the past while. Wait, wait a minute. Just say. <laughs> say that again, Trish. Sorry? What say did you say? I well, forgot now. I don't remember. You, you said it while Scott was saying it. Just the, never mind. Okay. So that's the end of the chapter 15, yeah. going down in flame. Yep. And now we're moving yep. on to Give It to Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Very appropriate. Yeah, she said the songs go with the chapters really well. Mm-hmm. She was amazed. So she finds out where he's hanging out with yeah. his mistress. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, he's not hanging out with his family. Yeah, no, well. He's not. Watches the house for hours and then goes, hmm. <laughs> or days, yeah. She watches the house for two days. He never showed right. up. Oh, he's in an apartment with his rumored mistress. Right yeah, in, in Atlanta. I do love how... 
it's clear that she's in America because it's, you know, this lifestyle apartment in downtown Atlanta. But once in a while, something like just a little English will, will pop through, like, or maybe he had a flat here he kept somewhere. It's just, I, it's a little inconsistency, but it works. Mm-hmm. Well, because Judy's not used to the American slang, so she would still call it exactly. a flat. So, yeah. Sure. So she kind of, yeah talk about banishing she banishes the girlfriend to go out shopping or whatever right and uh mm. she's sitting there in the dark when waiting for him he shows up and he tries to turn on a light and it doesn't work but she kind of moves and she's silhouetted so he's like oh you want to play games yeah and he's starting to take off his tie and he thinks it's his fiance, girl his yeah his fiance, mistress his mistress and he finally gets a good look at her and it's and not who he thinks it is. Nope. But by that time, he's close enough for her to have her wand pointed at his forehead. Yeah. And, you know, uh, he apparently knows what this is. He does. Hello. Oh, yeah. On your knees. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. Oh, he knows what a wand is. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, he'd be going, you're pointing a stick at me? Right. Really? Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she is not a happy camper. No, no, she is not. And he makes it just a little bit worse by lying to her. Yes. Several times. He does. <laughs> and he pays for it. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not exactly in the calmest of moods. Bad ass What was your first clue, Scott? Was it the incarceration ropes or was it the stinging hexes? Uh, well, those were both clues. I mean, when she was slicing his skin open, that was kind of a, a, a major <laughs> point there, you know. Something's yeah. going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she says, when did you, how much did you know? And he says, I didn't know very much. I just knew about it when I shut it down. And she says, you want to try that again? <laughs> yeah. She uses a little bit more colorful language there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Bad Jenny. So he starts. she says, I've been there. I've seen the paperwork. And he's still trying to bluff it out. And that really doesn't work. Yeah. Cat, what did you Fortunately, want to say Fortunately, she this? prepared with silencing charms, apparently. Yes, she uh, well, I was saying, you know, I, I feel like Molly was a little borrowed from this because I, I was, I was kind of reminded from like Molly final battle of like, don't mess with me right now. <laughs> so you're saying Ginny's a chip off the old block? Hmm. You think? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a bit. And None he of finally the says, have "Ever made her write this mad?" <laughs> so he says, "When you know, she asked him when it was shut down, and he finally responds that it was shut down in the spring of '99." And she says, "What happened to the men?" What happened yeah. to them? And he said there were only three left. One of them died and two of them ran. And she needs to know who ran. Which two? Mm-hmm. And, and she shows him a photo of Harry and asks if he was there. And he says, I don't know. I was never there. She's like, you knew about this. Where are they? I don't know. And it's like, you're lying. <laughs> don't even. Don't even. Yeah, don't lie to Don't me. even. And, you know, you could tell that she's she starts with the stinging hexes, and then she goes to the slicing hex. But what really gets him to talk is she leans down and puts pressure on the slice that she's put in his back. Yeah. You know, she's just mm-hmm. well, adding insult to injury. I, well, he says... I really like how, she's, how she uses his full name, Donald. Donald. Yeah. Did we uh, lose her again? No, she's still here. Hetty? Hetty? No, the new one. The oh, latest no. thing. About the last CIS. episode was, um, <laughs> wow. there's a whole thing where she keeps interrupting people and finishing their sentences. Yeah. Well, and one of the things is he's finally telling her that Harry was there and that he's one of the two that got away. Mm-hmm. Found it very interesting that he knew what there to serum was. Right. Yes. 
She's well, right. he apparently knows what a wand is and all that, so maybe he's a yeah. closet wizard. Well, we find out that he is a wizard. <laughs> that he's magical. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, do. Is, is it something yeah. about the United States is, that we don't let our people be magical? Apparently. It's called imagination. We don't have very much of it. That's true. Hey. That's true. What? You don't think that's true? Well, okay. I think. Us, uh, personally, we have a lot of yeah. imagination. But. America we have to make up whole... for the people who don't. Yeah. <laughs> so she. <laughs> she finds out, you know, what's going on. And she says, okay, I want you to call them and I want you to find out where they are because I know being, that there's no way that your people are not looking for these guys. Right. And you're going to mm-hmm. tell them to stop looking. And he's like, I can't do that. And she's like, oh, I have every confidence in you being able to lie your way out of a box. So, yeah, you are going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently they have information. New Orleans, Oyster Bar, Joe Lucas, San Francisco, Hotel. And Lucas Johns. It's interesting that they both use Lucas. Use that they name Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Why is it called? I hope we find out who Lucas Johns is. Because, yeah, I wonder who that is as well. Sorry. What? I think that's that's the problem. What? Whose brother? The senator's brother. The The senator's brother was John Simkus. Isn't he the one that died? He's one of them that died yeah so and, and actually uh, she's she's you know after she gets the information and apparently they have dole they have jasper right so she tells them you're gonna let him go and mm-hmm. he says you're a terrorist and she said i don't think so yeah. i don't think so you're the terrorist you and your little project and he explains to her what it was and the whole reason for the project was to help his brother mm-hmm. Because he is, he, had he was magical, stress. and he had post-traumatic stress syndrome, right. and he couldn't handle it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So it's it's like a lot of projects that kind of start off as a really, you know, good idea. I mean, this guy was truly trying to help his brother. He wanted something that was going to ease his brother's right. life because his brother couldn't sleep for more than an hour. He was waking up with nightmares. He wasn't functioning. And so he thought this would be a really good thing. It would help. But, right, and but and so they wanted to try to years. remove. So they wanted to remove the memories, use the layering charm to erase those, but still make sure that the magic worked after the memories were removed. Right, that was the whole idea. It was as a therapeutic thing, but again, shock treatment was used and still is used as a therapeutic thing. Right, mm-hmm. it doesn't make right. it plain or right. Right, and their main trouble with this is they didn't stick to people who volunteered. No, they didn't. They kidnapped people who... <laughs> and he doesn't even have any idea that this is Harry Potter. No, no clue at all. She has to Not tell yet. him, and he just goes white. <laughs> right. But she can feel the magic inside of him. And she says, yeah. you know, I feel it. Does anybody know? And he says, my family knows. And John, he's magical, too. So mm-hmm. they know. And then she tells him about Harry. And, yeah, he just yeah. freaks. So, he, and he's like, thinking, he's like, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have done that. There's no way. And she says, yeah, they did. They used you. They used this program that was... To get him out of the way. To yeah. get him out of the way. I so they to tucked say, him away. These are the reasons why it's fan fiction. That, you know, the the way this is described, I can just see it. And it just makes me giddy like a school girl. Because, you know, bad guy. And you want, you know, your heroine to have... That moment with the bad guy of, yeah, I guess what, you stop. And I'm going to explain how it's up. <laughs> and he's not the bad guy. He's not. Well, really. I mean, 
he was on. Not bad. Not like completely like mwahaha evil, but he, I mean, it's mm. kind of like when you've got like the politician who's sort of bad and then the really more like the serial killer bad guy in, in a movie. You know what but I, you know what I liken him to? Mm-hmm. I liken him to Noble. Noble invented TNT and he did it so that he could help in mining and in excavation. And it turned into a weapon of war. And he never intended it for it to do that, which is why we have the Nobel Prize named after this man who developed dynamite. And it was totally turned around into something that is used as destruction instead of to help. And that's exactly what this is. I mean, he knew about he knew that there were problems, but he was trying to help. He didn't realize that other people were going to take advantage of the stuff that he was doing and ruin people's lives. I disagree. He's still complicit in some of this. He, he oh, deliberately sure. wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And he deliberately yeah, no, closed his eyes to it. Yes. Go cat. What happened with Noble is, you know, it's, it's, he did a thing and one can't control how people use it because it's, it's an idea. It's not finite, but with this, this was a program that was purview that he decided i'm just gonna let them run it and i'm not gonna you know be bothered with you know getting dirty and looking at the hard stuff and making sure that that they're doing this for the right reasons he just kind of pushed it to the side and that's why he's a bad guy because politicians who do this should not be in office and this is like i mean from chicago we just had blagojevich you know on trial for selling obama's seat you know I mean, if you just kind of let politicians, you know, say, oh, well, he's a politician, so respect him to not be responsible for the programs that they're in charge of and not well, be the, what if he wasn't uh, responsible. What if he wasn't a politician? What if he was just a millionaire who supplied the money? Would he still be a bad guy? No. The fact that he was in charge of the project makes it in my own. Because the, more the, the, fa- the simple fact that to... he made, like, three phone calls and they sing for Harry and the other guy, like, he had power. Yeah. He he had the ability to know what was going on. If he wanted to, he could have known that they had Harry there. But he didn't want to. He just decided that, you know, it's too much dirty work. I'm not going to, you know, get dirty, down dirty with it. So, you know, I'm just going to push it to the side and whatever happens, happens. Because, you know, it couldn't, it could never affect me. Mm-hmm. He's still in on this. It's not that he just came up with it and let it go. Like, the comparison exactly. to Nobel would be the guy who invented this memory layering technique. It's not it's right. not the same as the entire project. Right. But I still don't think he's a total bad guy in this. He did not know who those people were and he did not know that they weren't volunteers. He didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He's not a cardboard and villain. He That's he what could've. makes it good. But he is a villain. Like he's, 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 he's not, you know. He's, he's, I'm not saying he's no, not a villain. Me. I'm just saying that he wasn't. I mean, we'll never know. I'm going to shut up. Go ahead, talk. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of agree. We're just coming at it from opposite sides opposite of the argument. Opposite sides of the, yeah. <laughs> Anywho. So she tells him, I want Jasper back and you have five hours to get him loose. And he's like, are you nuts? And she's like, nope, you can do it. And then I love, she heals him and she cleans up his clothes and she cleans up the blood stains on the carpet and everything. And. As she's getting ready to disapparate, she whispers in his ear and she says, prove I was even here. And then she's gone. Mm-hmm. Makes me so happy. And then she jumps like seven places again and goes off to her hotel room. And I thought it was interesting that in this part, she, I guess it's because of 
Mama's name for him being Ordinary Joe. But she never even considers that Harry could be Lucas Johns. She immediately goes for Joe Lucas. Because mm-hmm. Donald doesn't know any of this. He he doesn't know who's who. He had no right. idea Harry Potter was in this program. He just knows the two names of the guys that are still alive. If he did know which was which, we don't get that given to us until after she goes to New Orleans. It's not spelled out properly that we know this is the one she should be going after. So it felt a little odd to me that she was concentrating but, on that so exclusively. I think it was the Joe. Yeah. That was her leap of faith. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's just never stated one way or the other. She just goes from having two names to suddenly only having one name. And we never hear the other guy again until Jasper talks about him. We never even hear her tell him about both of them. So it's a little odd. Yeah, she latches onto Joe. Mm-hmm. That's the name. So she's going to New Orleans. Well, first of all, she waits for five hours, and then she waits an hour longer because she hasn't heard from Jasper yet. And then she goes out to a street payphone and calls him, and she's like, "Hello, Donald." <laughs> He's like, "How'd you, How'd get, you my get my number?" <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Off of Facebook." Oh no, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. Uh, I don't think that was there at this point. No, probably not. You know, she's like, I, my friend's not here. Where is he? Because she's told him, if my friend doesn't get loose, and if my friend is hurt, I'm hunting you back up, and you are not going to like what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, she's going to the press. So and she's like, okay, I'm going to let you have this reprieve, but if I don't see him before morning, I'm going to the press. Because mm-hmm. he says, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, I released him hours ago. Right. Or they told me he was released hours ago. So, yeah. And she hangs the phone up and she walks back into the motel. And there's Jasper. And there's Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> you are horrible to track. Squeaks. Yeah, well, they beat the crap out of him. Yeah, they did. And she tries to give him a hug. And he's like, mind the ribs. Mm-hmm. But he's alive. And yeah, he took a beating, but it could have been worse. Yeah. He says, please don't tell me you spent all this time trying to get me out. And she says, well, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know where he is. Hardly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, New Orleans is pretty big, but it's a whole lot smaller than the United States. And it's a whole lot smaller than the whole world, which is where they were looking before. So mm-hmm. they're narrowing And they know down. he's got some connection to an oyster bar. Mm-hmm. They don't know exactly what that means, but they know that much. <laughs> yeah. So he tries to heal him. And presumably they go to bed because we have a scene change. <laughs> and when they wake up the next morning, he's saying, I think you should go alone. I'm going to go look for this other guy while you go to New Orleans. Yeah. So she's told him about it. Yeah. He says, well, I go back. I'm not entirely sure what he's referring to there, but whether it's the place where they just escaped from or what they're doing. but. Mm-hmm. He phones her up later and says that he's tracking down this other guy in San Francisco. And she's all of a sudden scared. Mm -hmm. What if I find him and he's moved on? What if I find him and he doesn't want to have anything to do with me? Sorry. (laughs) I just looked over and the microphone and half the uh, headset went right into the yawning jaws. (laughs) (laughs) Of a dog? Of dog. Hi there, Lily. <laughs> it's like, woo! <laughs> oh, goodness. So she's afraid. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. afraid of what she's going to find. And he tells her, remember how he looked and how he sounded and how remember you the felt good memories, the last time that you saw him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
He says, you deserve to have that again. Yeah. So Both of them. Geez. Both of you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so she knows she's looking for a bar with the name Oyster in it or mm-hmm. a bar that serves oysters or something of that sort. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, every bar in New Orleans it? serves oysters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they did before this year. Mm-hmm. Dum dum. Mm-hmm. But Trammell's disembodied voice yells at her. So, uh, bye. She, did Cat leave? We dropped her. I'm I here. Picked her back up. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's back. Okay. I was confused. You can all have virtual popcorn, by the way. Yay! Okay, the mom so, brought company I have home. Easy juice. I'm taking you on a tangent. Mom brought company home last night, and the company. She's not really vegan, but she's sort of vegetarian. She has all these dietary restrictions. And so she walked in the door and she's like, I'm hungry. What do you have? And I was like, uh, nothing. And she's like, popcorn. I want popcorn. And I said, I have microwave popcorn. How come I have microwave popcorn? I don't know. We don't eat it at my house. But there was, I think it's there from the last time she was here. So she popped the microwave popcorn and she took a bite. She's like, this is terrible. I'm like, well, it's been here for six months waiting for you to come back. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Not exactly best before. No, but I got to have popcorn last night. So I almost enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. So she finds herself a hotel room, and she's kind of made a list of at least the ones with oyster in the name, though there are a lot of other ones that say they're an oyster bar. And the first one is a place with a lot of men wearing suits milling around, and she doesn't really think Perry would be the type to be serving them, but you never know puts it on to look at later in case she doesn't find them in some of the other places. Mm-hmm. The-, the next one's called the Slimy Oyster, which is <laughs> oh so appetizing. Sorry, yeah. I would not want to eat there. Thank you very much. This is why it doesn't open until 4. It's because nobody wants to eat there. Well, to be good and drunk first. And I have to say, the blue oyster with the one with the suits just mm-hmm. cracked me up. Wait, why? Because I've seen way, way too many Police Academy movies. <laughs> no, that's exactly where I went to. <laughs> oh my I have no idea what you're talking about. Sir, he says this restaurant has the best salad bar in town. Well, it damn sure better have. I was looking for the biker bar with the the gay bikers. <laughs> well, we do get we do get that in the opposite direction a little bit in the middle. Yes, we but, do. Yeah. Bye. Yes, but even if you're a greasy spoon, why would you deliberately name your place the Slimy Oyster? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. But she eventually teams up with her cabbie because he's being a little impatient, and so she just hands over two hundred dollar bills and uh, hands over two hundred dollar bills. Yeah, so she hands him two hundred dollars, and he says, "Hey, no problem. I've been driving around here for years. Call me George." (laughs) That's easy to remember. (laughs) She's like, "That's my brother's name. I might like you." And she thinks, "Oh, George would be great to have on this little jaunt. I could call him. He'd come." But mm-hmm. it would be an experience, she thinks. Yeah, because he'd be out trying to get her drunk. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? He, New Orleans and George? <laughs> he, had, he would have, be oh, in heaven. He'd be having a good time. Oh, yeah, yes, he would. would. So They're going to go to the pearly oyster next. Well, the pearly oyster 
reminds Ginny of the hog's head. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't oh, smell it, like goats. <laughs> it doesn't smell like goats. <laughs> so they go to the next one. Oh, they go have a drink. Yeah. And she wants bitter. She orders a bitter, and he doesn't know what that is. So she says just a beer, and she, like, takes one sip and goes, this is awful. Yeah. Which I'm imagining that most Americans would take one sip of bitter and say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I, Unless they... I did that, and it's nasty. <laughs> so I mean, I was raised very... On, I was raised on, like... Go cat. I was raised on imported beer, so I think it just depends on mm-hmm. who was on tap. It's another one of those things where it's what you're used to. Mm-hmm. People well, used to cider is awesome, light beers but think the other stuff is nasty. bitter and thick, and people used to the dark beers think it, the other stuff is just thin, watery, worthless stuff, right. and who knows? See, I, I, personally I like, just, just I like don't the like stomped beer, grapes. So, you know. yeah. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. Give me the smushed I, grapes any I day. Like Give me the... Uh, the hard lemonade any day. You know like what? The they grape have really good before they ruin it. <laughs> before they ruin it. <laughs> so she's she's telling him about Joe Lucas. Mm-hmm. She knows the name he might be using. Right. right. And he says, "Wait a minute! You're not gonna, you know, get me into trouble or do anything <laughs> bad to him or right. so He says, "Let's go." There's one place that I remembered once we got here, and she goes down, and the, the name of it's called Aphrodite's Oyster. Yeah. <laughs> She and, looks uh, at him, he's already blushing. Yeah. She's like, I'm staying out here. He probably doesn't work here. He's like, she uh, says, well, maybe I should check. <laughs> Possibly. But, yeah. Yeah. The, even the walls were pink. <laughs> oh, dear. It reminded me of Umbridge. But Cornelius doesn't know, won't hurt him. Oh, no. Umbridge I was thinking would... lavender. I was just thinking Pepto-Bismol all over the place. No, I was thinking other things, but I'm not going to mention them. Uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, so she goes to the bar and says, uh, Thank you. You can just get me some information. I'm looking for a man. And he's like, uh, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I think he's a and bartender. And he looks around and it, nope. it was the light bulb that goes off. Yeah, it's like... Um, it's, a, it's a gay bar. It's it's a lesbian bar is what it is. Well, yeah, lesbian bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. gay not that there's anything wrong with that so yeah <laughs> she goes back out and george says well and she says you set me up <laughs> yes. she has a little fantasy about um, her brother george and charlie having a great time oh god wandering around flirting with everyone oh yeah They're like let's see if we can convert i'll get in a towel oh god <laughs> <laughs> sign me up so he tells her, okay, there's this, there's one place left on the list, and it's Sam's Oyster. Mm-hmm. And this is one that wasn't on her list. Right. It was one that George thought George, of himself. George thought of himself. It's and a local it, place, been around forever. Right. So they don't advertise. he tells her, you know, good luck. And she says, go home and, and give your wife your, her own romance. Get Turn off that television. And uh, she tells him, you know, take it from someone who didn't treasure every moment. Take hold of them every chance you get. This is because she finally explained a little bit about why she's looking for this guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's like those romance shows that his wife likes to watch. On TV, right. That's why she's saying, turn off the TV. Right. So she goes in. And Father Christmas is behind the bar. 
right? <laughs> Father Christmas is behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And she starts to ask a question, and somebody she calls starts- out from the back room. Yep. And there's something familiar. Well, she doesn't see his face first because whoever's in the back room is holding the box and he's walking backwards through the door. Mm-hmm. And he turns around and it's Harry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. It's Joe. Yes. Joe. His voice is the same, but his accent is different. Yes. The flat American accent. Mm-hmm. It would take about my accent. No, I don't. I don't think so. I imagine it's probably something like mid-Atlantic or whatever. But Probably. Who knows? Another question we can ask Andy if she actually thought of that. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think he'd... I don't... Because there are spots in here where he purposely draws and it's noticeable where he does it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't say otherwise. I mean, if it was it was pronounced, it would be pronounced. That would, yeah. I think that would probably even be more jarring to Ginny than just an American accent. A southern accent? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it's just, I'm trying to imagine this. Uh, no. <laughs> more fodder for the musical. I hey, guess. y'all, I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and that was a horrible southern accent, that'd be by hard the way. To do a British I'm sure you know. And but. a southern accent together. Mm-hmm. So, apparently, I've heard it. It's kind of strange. So, what we've got, mm. there's a sign in the window that they're looking for help wanted. And her question turns into. Who would I, I talk to about your sign? Who do, I'm looking for who would I talk to about the sign in the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she can't go on with, I'm looking for a guy named Joe Lucas because Joe has no idea who she is. Standing in front of her, too. So Yeah. Yeah. If anything, if he kind of knows that someone's looked after him, most likely if someone's asking for his name, he's going to bolt. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, she says someone's looking for him. Yeah. And Sam wants to know if she's got experience or if she's got her documents about working in the country. And she sort of goes, uh, let me just look in my bag here. <laughs> Conjure, Conjure. Well, I think it's more along the lines of everything that she owns is in the bag, you know? Well, yeah, but it says while her yeah. hand's inside the bag, she conjures, she, uh, conjures up the documents, That's hoping okay. she can remember all the stuff she needs. But he doesn't look through them in great detail, fortunately. Yeah. She says, I don't really have any experience working in a bar, but I, hopefully I can learn. And Sam wants yeah. to look at her, so she stands up and does a little twirl. Huh. And then he asks Joe, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> she starts flirting with him. Says, yeah, Joe, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, come on, Joe. I, she says, I just she looks delicate. Like, she looks a little delicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, I have six brothers. No way. <laughs> I'm not exactly delicate. Yeah. Not with sports. So he hires her. Red George. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be an this. awkward situation. I like this part. I like this line. Mm-hmm. And, well, first he says, you got the job. And she's like, I got the job. And the line is, Joe smiled again, and a part of Ginny that had been dead for more than two years awoke, filling her like sunshine on a summer morning. Aww. I like that. I know I'm a big mush ball, but that's that's like oh nice I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Even Scott went oh I know. <laughs> it's a good plan because she was sort of on the spur of the moment trying to figure out what she can say, but at the same time, it's got to be kind of awkward working in a new job with somebody you've known for years who has no idea you who you are. Yeah. Well, yes and no because it's a new job. 
and you have to kind of learn along the way. You, but mm-hmm. at the same time, she hasn't had anybody to depend on except for Jasper for the last two years, really. Yeah. So I think that's something that she can fall into. She's not going to depend on the people around her. She's got to pull herself up, and I think she's going to be able to do that. So yeah. And that is the this end is of chapter sixteen. Yes, that we are doing this sometime afterwards because apparently there was a long pause after this chapter. Yes. But um, we can just go on straight into Chapter 17. And actually... This is the first Joe point of view chapter. And it's actually not a long point of view. This is like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And, and, I'm, and I'm not sure. Is this a couple of days or is this the same day? Because it's she has... Day. Yeah, this is the next day. I was referring to the, there's an author's note at the end of 16 on oh, live journals yes. that says she's going to be oh. unavailable for however long. So she was only was unavailable gap. for, there's only a few days. Okay. So she let us see Jenny find Harry. And then there, then she didn't know how long she was going to be gone, but she was only gone for like three days. Oh, okay. And in those three days, people were like, ah! <laughs> bouncing up and down. And this is the first time we see anybody's point of view but Ginny's. And the first time we see Joe's point of view. And he feels like beating his head against the wall because he doesn't get what's going on. Right. He's attracted to her and he isn't usually attracted to people. He's basically living on the run and not comfortable with flirting or anything like that and so he doesn't understand although he why. apparently has got used to a bunch of girls passing him their phone numbers all the time but well and and he's been here long enough he's been here long enough he's probably been here for a good year easily probably two he's been here for a year or two because he's mm-hmm. been here long enough that the people know him right that he had a, a dating girl. relationship with someone in the area mm-hmm and it's, you know, he talks about it's been months since he broke things off with Megan. And I'm going to say this, and I said it in the comments, but anytime <laughs> I run into a fan fiction, and Sue knows this, this is my rant. Anytime I run into a fan fiction with anybody who names a character Megan with an H, M-E-G-H-A-N, or Megan, M-E-G-A-N, it puts, it's like nails on the freaking chalkboard. I cannot stand characters named Megan. In Harry Potter fanfic. Is there fanfic. a particular reason why? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask this. <laughs> I have no you had clue. bad experience with Megan <laughs> as a child? I, yeah. <laughs> no, I, think it, I think it has to do with Stargate fanfic. There was a couple of people who wrote a Megan in. And it's it's all freaking Mary Sue. It's like, God, don't write yourself into the story. Oh, <laughs> oh it just drives me nuts. And it's this name. It can be Kathy. Kathy is fine. Nancy is fine. You know, Barbara is fine. Megan drives me crazy. <laughs> Aww. I'm sorry so, for all uh, the Megans out there. Yes. We apologize yeah. to all the Megans out yes. there. <laughs> you know, and it's not, it's, I know Megans. There's a friend of mine whose daughter's name is Megan. I don't have any problem. Real life Megans? I don't have issues. Fan pick Megans? Go jump off the nearest cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least she's not named Andy. Good for him. Brought to you by letter M. (laughs) (laughs) Letter M. And the number three. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So uh, take note, anyone who's writing a story for Kelly, if she's won some story or other, don't put a Megan in it. Put a Megan in it and let it vomit. Yeah. No Megan's lots of vomit. <laughs> we 
<laughs> and that's if you're writing for Trisha. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Sorry, I have a yes, dog so. in my face. Hello, Lily. <laughs> like joining us on the podcast. <laughs> Doesn't she always? Lily, what did you think about the Megan? Woof, woof. She doesn't care. She just wants to eat the microphone. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to eat the microphone? Ow! Ow! <laughs> Oops. We sh- shouldn't have tested her. <laughs> Telly, are you okay? Yes, I just got clawed with a paw up my nose. That's all. No problems. Oh, goodness. So, yes, Joe is worried anyway. Joe is worried. He's a little paranoid, and he wonders, what if this girl is connected to the people who are watching him? Because mm-hmm. he, yeah. he can tell that people are kind of following and watching him. I don't know if he actually knows what's going on, but he's found that out anyway. Mm-hmm. But he sort of kicks himself and says, okay, don't stop being so paranoid. Just get on with things. And we shift back to Ginny's point of view. And she's moving. Mm-hmm. She's got herself a new hotel. Decided, yeah, to get closer to the bar. And I don't know if you guys mentioned this while I was gone or not, but had she not had George for the driver... She wouldn't have found the bar. She would not have found the bar. Did you guys already yeah. mention that? Yeah, it was on I George's it list. Passing. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't on her list. It's just this quiet place that doesn't advertise. So I thought that was interesting. I picked it up on my reread today. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, but I think she probably would have gone back to the Yellow Pages and started going to every bar in town. Oh, yeah. It just would have she would have gone to all the ones that served oysters. Well, mm-hmm. all of them serve oysters. <laughs> I think she would just go and hit every single bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when she calls in the other George. <laughs> True. Right. Yeah. She doesn't know what to do with herself. She yeah, decides. I mean, she whiz. Oh, yeah. She's found it. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah. and hey, her hotel has a softer bed and everything, so <laughs> bonus. That is a bonus. Yeah. She decides to call Jasper and let him know that she's found it. Yeah. She and she's it. considering the differences between Harry and Joe as she last remembers him and Joe as he is now. Various interesting things. So, yeah, yeah. She, she calls Jasper. And, and this Jasper is when... Is in- Go ahead. He's in San Francisco. This is when he mentions that he's looking for the other guy, Lucas Johns, in San Francisco. Be in touch if he finds anything. Right. And she finally casts a sleeping charm on herself because she knows she needs to be sharp for her new job. And she knows that she's never going to sleep. Right. She pretty much knocks herself out. And I like this first line of the next section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ginny's expectations of Sam's daughter couldn't have been more right and absolutely wrong at the same time. Yeah, yeah Pearl is. You know, you know, I, I, you get, I'm better than I watch um, Food Network. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everybody under the sun knows this. And there is a chef on Food Network whose name is Anne Burrell, and she has blonde, spiky hair, and she's well built. Okay. And she's very flamboyant. And the description of Pearl, if you added tattoos and piercings to Anne Burrell, that would be Pearl. <laughs> Except obviously Anne is a lot older because Pearl is in her twenties. Right. But this, it, but as, this description, I, all I can see is because Anne has the spiky blonde hair with the dark roots. Under layer. Yeah. And it's just like. <laughs> It's, I, I'm going to need to send you guys a picture of her. She looks like that. Seems a it seems a very popular trend nowadays to have that bleach blonde on top and the dark on the bottom. Because I've seen it on like maybe thirty people at school. Wow. Uh-huh. It's odd. That or they can't afford to get their wrist done. <laughs> that too. Yeah, you know. 
Uh, I like that her shirt is just above her belly button. <laughs> She's got a diamond in it. Of course. So. Whereas Ginny showed up link. in button-down shirt and jeans because she's going by what Joe was wearing the day before. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, and That's apparently Amber Sam had this far for. before he had his daughter because he named her Pearl as a joke. Mm-hmm. Right. And Ginny says, yeah, not exactly what I pictured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was cool. So Pearl gives her a crash course. And, uh, Which, by the way, is my the worst nightmare. Oh, yeah? Do you know how complicated bartending is? <laughs> yeah. You no would idea. never give somebody a crash course in bartending. <laughs> I love Judy. Should I take notes? Yeah, <laughs> I can see a crash course in waitressing, but to actually have somebody trying to mix drinks and stuff. I mean, bartending's a, an art. Yeah, yeah, I can see. There's not as much into the mix drinks here, though. It seems it's mostly just pulling whatever and sanding it out. Yeah, it's but it's like well, it's po' boys and oysters and beer. Mm -hmm. I would imagine if somebody came in and ordered something complicated, that she'd get pearl from the back or whatever. Because yeah, yeah, but but you can get well, and it does the basics of anything, so you can at least stand there and hand people there. Yeah, and I, and I think you've got, you know, you, you take the order back to the bar and the bartender puts it together. She's just, she's just running. She's the runner. Well, she, but at some point when, uh, Pearl goes in the back to, um, have <laughs> oh, a little, yeah, wait, 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 we have to get up to the first. <laughs> she, <laughs> she puts some drinks together, it seems to me. So, we'll so she's got, so we start by meeting Sam in his office. And right. he apparently takes up most of his office mm-hmm. and his paperwork takes up the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't forget, we have the boxes, Sam, and the blue smoke. Mm-hmm. Cigar smoke. Mm-hmm. And a, a dubious looking chair. <laughs> Made out of a box. <laughs> and she's got to fill out the paper that the lawyers make him keep. And she just mm-hmm. kind of fakes it. Right. He yeah. wants to know where she's been. And she's like, France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, South Africa. He's like, how in the heck did you end up here? <laughs> I guess you could say I'm looking for something. Yeah. Found something, too, but no. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't say that part. And he sees the way that she's looking at Joe. And he says, yeah. i got to tell you, Pearl and Joe are an item. Yeah. Ginny's world crashes once again. Mm-hmm. Suddenly she doesn't like Pearl nearly as much. Yeah. What a <laughs> stupid <down>. name. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then he's like, well, and Max, Max here, he needs a good woman. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second. So, so, yeah, she comes out of the office and suddenly she does not like Pearl at all. <laughs> and she's trying to convince herself, you know, it's, it's of course he's moved on with his life. He has no memory of anything. Why shouldn't they? But yeah, she's, she's yeah. not doing well. She's sort of staring into space and keeps having to be reminded to do stuff. Yeah. Are you okay? Well, and Pearl, keeps asking. Pearl can't figure out what's going on with her. No, because mm-hmm. they were getting on just fine a minute ago. And now all of a sudden, Jenny can't mm-hmm. even stand to be next to her. Right. So, so it's like, she goes into the food. We've got oysters. We've got po'boys. And sure, that's fine. And 
<laughs> Jimmy has absolutely no idea what that is. Yeah. Right. Neither do I, by the way, so perhaps we should. Oh, explain. a po'boy is a submarine sandwich. It's a sandwich. Okay. And it's, I and figured it was boy, something like that. And, and po' boy in New Orleans, an oyster po' boy is deep fried oysters that are stuffed in the sandwich. And they're, post, they're supposedly pretty good. I don't like oysters, so I don't get them. But my mom does, and she's had oyster po' boys, and she really likes them. They're, it's, it's a sandwich. Were you just making gagging noises back there, Kat? Is that what I heard? Yes, I like deep fried anything. And you I've what? never had oysters. I, I just like deep fried anything. Oh. Deep fried anything? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I won't eat oysters, sorry. No, I'm not an oyster person. Other seafood, but I uh, no. Yeah. I've had so, them occasionally at New Year's, the tinge kind. Yeah. <laughs> Watching my brother and friends do oyster shots. That that's <laughs> sorry. Nope. Uh-uh. Well, we have a tradition in our family, and it's from my mother's side of the family, that Christmas Eve mm-hmm. we have oyster stew. And apparently it's a traditional Christmas Eve meal for North, South Dakota, and Minnesota mm-hmm. because it was almost impossible to get oysters any other time of the year. They were a cold-weather-only item because that's the way they shipped. Mm-hmm. They were Christmas Eve dinner, and I can't stand oyster stew, so we would have <laughs> we would have sloppy joes <laughs> and oyster stew that's for dinner. <laughs> terrible combination. I'm sorry. Well, you that's... don't eat them at the same time. It's the people that don't eat the oyster stew that eat the sloppy joes. Okay, because I'm like, all right, the two of those together, that's disgusting. No, they don't go together. I think I remember this story on the podcast before. It was the podcast yes. of Christmas. Yes. Last year. Yeah, yes, it was the first Christmas episode. It was our first uh, Christmas episode. I have, I have not had a lot of seafood because my father is allergic. Uh, I've only had shrimp. Mm, yeah. I never had crab, never had lobster. So mm. for me, explore now that I'm out of the house. Maybe one day I'll my be My older sister was that. allergic, so. We didn't for years and years, but then now that I'm the only one living with my parents, we occasionally do that. Is it just shellfish or is it seafood? Um, uh, selfish. We're not sure. Apparently, she's supposed to be not allergic to shellfish, and oh. she is allergic to the other things, but we've never actually tried that because, yeah. Yeah, it's not something oh. to mess with. This is her most major of her many allergies. It's the one that can actually make her throat close up and go to the emergency room kind of thing. So yeah. we're not trying the different kinds of fish that. just to see. <laughs> Here, let's see if this so, one works. So Pearl is trying to figure out what's wrong with Ginny, and Ginny is just like, don't worry about it, you know. And Pearl says, I'll be back in a few minutes. And she goes, disappears into the back room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ginny is taking people's orders and fumbling around and she's distracted by the fact that joe looks very happy and he's repairing a pool table and yeah right she looks in and she sees what what she thinks is max's foot sticking up from underneath the pool table right and And she didn't see joe the second pair is gone now because there she used she saw both of them under the pool table and then now there's only one pair of feet and Pearl has just left, and she immediately makes the assumption that it's Max's feet under the table. And yes. they're together. And there's a little bit of uh, banging and crashing. Yeah, say it, say it, Trisha. Bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> Since she's apparently gone, Trisha has to go back. No, you guys are breaking up, but I can't. Like, I get bits of like silence. Aww. So, so Trisha, what's going on in the back room? 
<laughs> so so now Ginny is just livid because she's like they're back there mm-hmm. having sex in the back room well yeah she goes to the window and she's like don't look in don't look in don't look in and she looks in and yeah she, she tell she's, she's, yeah and she and wants she, to try not to vomit, vomit again. <laughs> yeah, <she's laughs> right. mm-hmm. there, and then she hears a, a voice of pearl and the table Honestly, rocking back and I've forth Right. Go ahead. Trisha, speak. What, Trisha? I mean, I'm love. I'm in love with her. She wants to vomit all over the place. This is like my favorite fic in the whole wide world. <laughs> so, so she goes back to the bar and she's like trying not to like, you know, kill everybody in the bar. And she hears, you get used to it. And it's Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's yeah. not in the back room. It's Max in the back Max. room. Apparently slip <laughs> off every now and then. And she's just like, and she says, doesn't that make you angry? Because she still thinks that it's Joe and Pearl. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's, and he's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did Sam tell you? Yeah. <laughs> Pearl and I are she together. She says, yeah, I don't really mind. I mean, at <laughs> least I, I wish I didn't have like, to walk in on them, but yeah, it's okay. And she says, well, <laughs> she shouldn't treat you like this. And she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're just friends. Really? And she's all like, you know, I need to Sam go lie down. crazy <laughs> idea. It's just, yeah. 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 But thanks for thanks. defending my honor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes oh. behind the bar. And I he... feel like a lady Pratt. And he says, well, have a drink on me, fellow Pratt. I think right. that's what I'd and be it's, called. It's a, and it's yeah. a pint. A bitter. Yes, a proper yeah. bitter. Kept at room temperature, which is the only way to do it, apparently. Yep. Yeah. And then we and have a scene just, change and all is mm-hmm. all is right with Pearl yeah. and Ginny now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm sorry about Sam. And Ginny's like, it's okay. I'm sorry I was a prat. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. That's so yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. She's like, this, she's this, like, this is why I and you have a thing this for is why Joe. I wonder, mm-hmm. This is why I wonder about the memories. Because it's kind of like an amnesia per- patient. They know like what they like and dislike. But they don't know why they lo- they don't have anything to back that up. Mm-hmm. On some because level, their memories are locked into their subconscious. Yes. So on some level, he remembers yeah. his life because he he likes bitter and he knows he likes bitter and he knows to keep it at room temperature. And mm-hmm. he likes Ginny. I, I mean, he likes Ginny, but he doesn't know why he likes Ginny, and it's just I mean. Hmm. I, I so think I I think the memories are still in there somewhere. We'll see well, something not so about that. that. They're not really the memories, though. They're more like impressions. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. It's well, it's the specifics. They've taken away the specific memories. Like the I specific bet you, ones. Yeah. I bet you he knows how to. Well, yeah, we'll find out this. That he still knows how to. Well, I guess this doesn't work. I want to say he knows how to drive a car. I, I hold on, say, Trisha. Can you last for yeah. like five more minutes? Okay, I can do five, five more minutes. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it's midnight here. <laughs> Poor thing. To um, fly a broom instinctively. It's like Kat said about being an amnesia patient. You've lost the memories of specific events and people, but you still know how to do things. Right. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it'll, it'll be interesting to see him and magic again because we haven't seen anything of Joe that's actually magical at this point. Right. But right. We'll see how much of that there is still. 
I think it's funny that Pearl thought he was gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah. Until Megan, she thought he was gay because he never shows any interest in anything. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) She figures out from Ginny's casual and not so casual glances in Joe's direction. She's like, oh, that's what's going on. Got a thing for Joe. It's like, well, well, I don't really know him, you know. Oh, yeah, you still have a thing for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she yells to the bar, hey, everybody, shut up. And mm-hmm. she introduces Ginger. The milk yeah. girl, Ginger yeah. Spice, all the way from England. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drags her up on the bar. Yep. And says, let's give her a gnarl. I can't do it. Gnarlins, welcome. Gnarlins, welcome. Gnarlins, welcome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know our apparently that is a uh, Nolan. Right. Mm-hmm. The men drag her down off the bar and give her a kiss, and the women are all hugging her, and she's a little shocked. But <laughs> oh, well. mm-hmm. yeah. And Pearl asks she who wants to buy the first talk. round, and Joe says he will, which has never happened before. Right. He never buys the first round. And then, I love this, you know, traditionally, the person buying the first round gets a kiss from the girl. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you don't think I've been kissed enough? <laughs> and everybody's chatting. So they kiss. start chatting. I, uh, kiss, kiss, kiss. I actually had in my notes, like, I was Skyping the suit as I was reading this this morning. And I go to um, a sister school to Loyola University of Nantes. And I was very upset that the author got it wrong because there's a Loyola College preparatory school, but there's no Loyola College in existence. Yeah, it's so I was very upset because it's, you know, my school and it's kind of like saying I just went, hey, I know people who know a Loyola. Yay, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. We'll have to tell her. It's easy enough to fix, I suppose. Yeah. Or ask her. Maybe she met the college prep school, or I don't know. But there's no Kalila College. Already, so you know. I, I love the kiss. It hadn't yeah. been yeah. the best kiss ever. It was sloppy and rushed and a bit uninvolved. <laughs> well, how was it? Wet. But Joe thought it was just Excuse about me. the best kiss he'd ever had. Apparently, Lily agreed with you. Aww. Mm-hmm. Aww. Is she giving us kisses? Yeah, well, that yeah. was, no, the bark in the background. Oh. <laughs> uh, we didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Ginny decides not to buck tradition, so uh, yes. Yeah, well, you know, this is the first time that she's been able to kiss Harry in, what, two and a half years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. More, because did he visit Hogwarts? I, didn't remember. I don't remember. The platform. Yeah. Platform at ah. nine and three quarters. Wow. Yeah. So we're at a scene change here. I think we should let Trisha go to sleep. Yep. Yes. Good night, Trisha. Good night, Trisha. Good night, Trisha. Good night, me. Good night, Trisha. Did you enjoy these uh, chapters? Yeah, I did, and I'm really excited to read the rest of it now. (laughs) Now that there's vomit, she's all over it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get the mop. (laughs) I'll get the comment. We are, um, we've got two more after this one. Two more? A chapter and a half left, basically. Yeah. No, I, I meant oh, two more podcasts. podcasts. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Do you need me to okay. hang up on you? Uh, let me see if I can hang up. If not, you can hang up. All right. Nice. Bye. Thank you. Okay, I tried to hang up. But it wouldn't let up. Hang up on me. All right. Sleep well. Sweet dreams. Yeah.
So yeah, I thought it was interesting. The I'll buy the first round and then we go to Joe's point of view and that, that whole kiss from his mm-hmm. point of view. Great. And it was the best kiss he had ever had. Yeah. That he remembers. Uh, yeah, sloppy Russian, a bit uninvolved. Boy, Megan must have been a good kisser. And gee, surrounded by... Probably wet. A whole lot of yeah. people. Wait a minute. I'm starting to see something similar. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I wonder what it would be. I don't know. Hmm. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> You didn't notice it? No. Really? <laughs> nope. Yay! One for me! Yay! <laughs> one for well, Ravenclaw. It was like, look, it's the Gryffindor. Hey, one. what am I, Swiss cheese? No, you just said it second. That's all. One okay. for you two. <laughs> Pearl thinks maybe she was wrong about him. She's yeah, never bought a round before. Ginny says she owes her one. One what? She doesn't say. She's the one you least expect it. <laughs> And by the time they've closed the doors at two in the morning, Ginny's about ready to fall asleep on her feet. Well, she's yeah. been working since five. Yep, and she's doing stuff she's not used to doing. Right. She thought she it's was in shape. Little because... But, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> apparently they can't clean up too much, or Sam thinks they haven't had a bad night. Yeah. Right. He apparently <laughs> comes in and cleans up in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's not always as rambunctious as that, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's quiet and... Weekends are always nuts. So I get the impression this was a weekend, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking this is like a Friday. Joe says that it was a fun night. Ginny says, yeah, she hasn't laughed so hard in a really long time. Well, Mm -hmm. she didn't have any reason to. No, but now she does. Now she does. And we get a uh, little anecdote about Fred and George and some knickers. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because there's a pair of them on the chandelier. Yeah. And this is Pearl's favorite word, apparently. Yeah. Knickers. Knickers. <laughs> Knickers are fun. Ginny doesn't realize it's such an English word, I guess. No, she doesn't. And Pearl also suggests, oh, by the way, Joe, uh, make sure Ginny gets home, all right? Yeah, why don't you walk And you might want to show her around a little before you do that. <laughs> Since you don't yeah. sleep at night anyhow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, you haven't lived until you've seen the sun rise up over the city. And it's, uh, what, 2.30 in the morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A couple hours. Depends so, on yeah. what it is in the year, I guess. Ginny says, Pearl is definitely, and Joe adds, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's one word for it. Yeah. So they just walk for a while. Yeah. Listen to the band and all the strange smells and things like that. And they talk about their different perceptions of crowds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, she doesn't, not bothered by crowds because she feels safe in a crowd. And he likes crowds because he can disappear in them. Mm-hmm. But generally, he prefers to be alone. Right. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> People watching. Yeah. Yep. He Favorite pastime. To the French market and shows her, you know, where to come during the weekends. Of course, nothing happening French market wise right now, but if the bars and the restaurants are always open. Right. Mm-hmm. And he takes and her. He to... asks her what her story is, and she really doesn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really know who she is now, as opposed to who she used to be. And they have a sort of philosophical conversation. I guess they're sitting at a cafe, cafe. and they've got some pastries and looking and at the stars. Yes. 
Oh, I want to have one. They sound fantastic. I'm so hungry. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, what she wanted when she was little is she wanted to grow up and be a Quidditch player. And then when she grew up, she wanted to be with Harry. And right. she really never, there wasn't anything that she, besides Quidditch, that she really wanted to do until she lost Harry. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't know, then it was, nothing was worth, not, nothing really was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. She says, sometimes I wake up and I have to remind myself why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing, and if it's really worth it. Yeah. And he looks at her and he says, is it, is it worth it? And she says, this is worth it. She thinks to herself, she doesn't say it out loud. This is worth the years alone and struggling to stay, stay afloat. This moment almost makes up for it all. And she says, yeah. really quietly, but looking at him. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And he grins at her. As the... <laughs> and they sit back and watch the sunrise. Yeah. Yep. So that's the, end, the of end of chapter 17. 17. And we move wow. on to chapter 18. This was a really right good belong. Quest chapter because there's 103 ch- comments on this one. Wow. There's 103 comments. And yeah, people were, we went... Nuts. Nuts. <laughs> it was also the first oh, I'm one sure. I can't yeah. imagine. Well, remember, there was a gap, too. Mm-hmm. And and this is like the one where, you know, we finally have them back together. Well, superficially. Ish. And it yeah. was just, you know, throw your hands in the air and cheer. And I know I did that. I read this and it was just like, Yay! yes, I'm doing jazz hands. <laughs> They're bouncing up and down like a number of the Potterfic Weekly icons. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> running oh, around. Mm-hmm. We were ecstatic. <laughs> and then leads into chapter 18, which is called Right Where I Belong. Which is where she thinks she is, sort of. And Ginny yeah. has moved on from the hotel and found herself a flat, right. a.k.a. apartment. <laughs> yes, she has to keep remembering yeah. that. And this is, um, I don't, for those of you who aren't familiar with New Orleans at all, this is in the summertime. Probably the the early summer because it's hot mm-hmm. and it does you know it, it does get cool in the winter time and it actually has snowed in New Orleans but it doesn't do it very often like maybe once a year if that if they have flurries but there it's always damp it, it's always damp and you've got and this is they're talking about the bright blue sky and the hot breeze you don't have a bright blue sky in the midsummer because it's muggy. Mm-hmm. You you don't have it. And so this is probably late spring, early summer. Right. Okay. If that helps for the placement. And she's mm-hmm. decided she's going to walk to work because she needs to get her head on straight. Because ever since Joe asked her who she really was, she's been doing a lot of thinking and trying to figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And Joe hasn't been really taking any further steps past their one nighttime walk that they had. Mm-hmm. And although he did like her haircut that she's gotten, yep. and um, she doesn't really know what to do at this point. Right. I think this is funny. The um, five marriage proposals, the several gropings, the countless phone numbers, and the kisses had just about put her over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> this is after Pearl decided to announce to the entire bar that she was new there and single. And single, <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pearl. She lit all the phone numbers on fire. (laughs) That was great. Yeah, but she couldn't use magic to do it. (laughs) She would have liked to, though. Yeah. We have a scene change to Joe's perspective, and now Joe's trying to figure out What he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a thing in here where he is afraid 
of getting involved with anybody because he has no past. He can't remember anything. He knows he has nightmares of people watching him and of people strapping him to a table. He has nightmares of these. And he doesn't know what to think. He doesn't know what she would think of these things. And mm. and if she's interested in a relationship, then she's got all this back history and he has nothing. nothing. And he's afraid that that's going to drive her away. Mm-hmm. Right. And he assumes that she knows nothing about it because, of course, she wouldn't. But Right. Yeah. There's the rub. She knows his back history. He doesn't know it. Well, and he doesn't know that she knows it. (laughs) But he wants, he, every time he's around her, he wants to touch her. Mm -hmm. And, and I, there was a fic that I read. I don't remember what it was. And, uh, Sue, I think we, we may have covered it in PFW. Um, it had to do with Harry likes to have contact with people. With Ginny, like if he's sitting next to her, he would have his hand on her wrist mm-hmm. under, you know, under the, the hem of her of her sleeve. Or if they were sitting on the on the sofa, he'd have his hand on her ankle some somewhere where he would have skin to skin contact. Right. And I don't remember what remember. that was. Was it? It may have been test of time. And I'm thinking it is test of time. I don't remember that. I don't it's think possible. so. Because I'm editing that right now, and yeah. we haven't said anything about that. Yeah, I just, I don't, it's, it's, and it was because of the fact that he grew up isolated mm-hmm. with no, nobody touching him. And this reminded me of that fanfic. This is a Ryan thing again. It's that whole, Sorry. you don't remember what the name of the fanfic is. You don't remember what the plot is, but something sticks out. Mm-hmm. And that's what you take from that fic. And I remember that being what I took from that fic. And I don't remember what fic it was, and I apologize. I'm going to find it now. I've seen authors take that both ways. Where he doesn't want to touch anyone? He's not used to being touched, mm-hmm. so he's very uncomfortable with being touched, or he mm-hmm. wants to make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Sort of which direction does he go? Right. And that's what, this, that's what reminded me of this, where he feels like every time that they're around each other, he feels like he wants to touch her. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's thinking, well, he can't deny that he seems to be attracted to her, but right. he really knew nothing about her and she knew nothing about him. And I'm sort of going, Oh, really? <laughs> if only you knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he chides himself to stop over analyzing everything and just go with it. And then we have a shift back to Ginny who's walking into work, and Sam is behind the bar with an apron on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he found an apron to fit his girth, she didn't know. Yeah, well, you know, they do make sheets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently He's, it's date night! Date night! Date night. Yeah. Nobody told her no. that every now and then they have a night when all the staff are kicked out and go off and wander the town. You know that Pearl is the one that instigated date night. You just oh. feel it in my bones. <laughs> of course. So, and Pearl's like, is that what you're wearing? And Jenny's like, uh, Pearl's like, oh, come with me. I'll fix you. Yeah. Oh, and I'm thinking, oh, no. Yeah, I know. We're going to have goth Jenny here in a minute. Ah. <laughs> Fortunately, Jenny has managed to find some suitable things within the mounds of clothing. Right. She has unearthed a white sundress 
turning down the leather miniskirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh boy. Like I said, it's very. I'm thinking. Oh yeah. Oh no. Might have made Joe pass out, but really not a Ginny thing. We could yeah. have Ginny and leather. It would have been perfect. <laughs> oh dear. She found some sandals and discreetly resized them with her wand while Pearl like was that. in the bathroom. <laughs> well, you know, they're going to be walking. They, she's going to have something that fits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's like, um, can Sam control this? And Pearl's like, yeah, he thinks he can. And we get to go, so we don't protest. <laughs> so yeah. Apparently he calls his buddies in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they walk downstairs and... Joe cannot talk. Yeah. He just uh-huh. swallows He's his He's like, tongue. wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jenny. Do with me what you will as long as it doesn't involve needles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pearl's like, I'll have you talked into a tattoo in no time at all. And Jenny's like, right. not likely. Not likely. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So they're off. Yep. Pearl and Max and... Joe and Ginny, Mr. Lucas, tell me where you think we're going. Mm-hmm. And apparently Sam has finally been told about Pearl and Max. Yes. Yeah, he ain't sort of happy. As a secondary thing to being told about Joe and Ginny, which doesn't actually exist yet, but it works for Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So they're wandering. They're wandering. He thinks they'll probably be going to the Redfish Grill because that's Pearl's favorite. Right. Right. And she tells him about her brothers. Mm-hmm. She yeah. will have to buy them some t-shirts. Yeah, the sexually suggestive ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I can just see it now. <laughs> Show me your boobs. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> I've got the, what do they call the necklaces? Is there something? The beads? The beads, yeah. I've got the beads. Oh, boy. So he's yeah. sort of G- talking Ginny about... isn't there yet. I mean, she hasn't hit Mardi Gras, New Orleans. No, no. That's, that would no. be a little much. It's post-Mardi mm-hmm. Gras. <laughs> you know who would fit in good here? Bill, yeah. Lure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see Luna having a really good time here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Radishes would not be at all out of place. No, <laughs> they would be. <laughs> So I love this. She tells them where they live. Bill, who's 11 years older than she is, and uh, Charlie, who works in Romania, and Percy, who lives in London. <laughs> she's trying to tell them all about them without mentioning magic. Just a little yeah, bit. she's having a little problem with it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she asks him, what about your family? And he says, I was in an accident a few years ago. I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And she can tell that he's, he's not, not being entirely him. truthful. Right. He remembers something, at least, because that's the part that he was shaky on. Right. She figures he probably knows he wasn't in an accident, too, but he's been practiced at telling people that. Well, yeah, it just like it says it, it just rolled right off his tongue. I was right. in an accident. Mm-hmm. So dinner. Got what dinner? in your mic. Sawdust Oops. for dinner. Moved around. Yeah, she could be eating just about anything. It wouldn't matter, and so could he. Yeah. And Pearl and Max are in their own little world <laughs> again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they'll probably be, yeah, snogging. They are. Time to leave. So they're out. Off they go. Mm-hmm. And? And they find themselves at a <laughs> dance place. She, she suggests, I guess, that they go dancing. Uh-huh. He says, oh, no, I'm not a good dancer. But she says, well, maybe you just need the right partner. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, he, there's no flirting going on. <laughs> oh, first off, so he decides to give it a try. He says, all right, give you two songs. And uh, it's kind of like Jasper's One Month. It yeah. stretches. <laughs> what songs? They all mix together. Yeah. Yeah, when you've got, um, how should I put this? Uh, Chemistry? When, when you can't slide a piece of paper in between the two people who are dancing, I don't think it's called dancing anymore. <laughs> Just thinking. It's vertical, you know. Uh, yeah, and they're clothed, I think. Um, <laughs> it's called Rhyme Rhyming. Whoa, cat! you went dollar. Wow. <laughs> that was <laughs> When I was in high school, we called it grinding. Right. Grinding. Yeah. Dancing. <laughs> so yes. close. Ginny, Ginny is feeling extremely attractive and womanly, apparently. Uh-huh. And she can intuit that this isn't just physical attraction for him either. Then they have a kiss. Yes, they do. Which uh, slowly um, overwhelms the rest of the dancing. Yeah. Right. That's funny. And then they walk out in the night and walk around for a block. Yeah. And we before, before, he says, points. before he says, I told you I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I meant the dancing, not the kissing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they go out. It's gotten warm, so they've decided to go out. Mm-hmm. He's going to show her around. He's going to be the tour guide here. Yeah. Yep. Shows her Jackson Square and St. Louis Cathedral. Louis. Louis. Possibly. I don't know. Louis. 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 Yeah, I think it would be Louis. French. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, You're I fine. No French. I live in St. Louis. That's St. Louis Cathedral. And something just hit the wall next to me. My next-door neighbors must be up. <laughs> There you go. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, I won't even ask. Uh, it's the living room. That doesn't mean anything. It does to the three girls that live next door. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And they are accosted by a flower-selling fellow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who wants him to buy the pretty lady a red rose. And he says, no, not a rose. Yeah. But then he's attracted by a tiger lily. Yeah. It reminds him of her. That was a little over the top for me. Yeah, I don't know. She's the color of the lily. She's yeah. red and orange. And yeah, but pink. It's it's it, it's a fan fiction thing. Uh, like the James call Lily Evans Tiger Lily, and like it just it seems to go on and on and on about the whole Tiger Lilies and Harry Potter thing. I'm just kind of like shut up. I thought it was Another cute. One of those points where you're jaded by former fan fiction. <laughs> yes, I yeah. am extremely jaded by former fan fiction. Oh, well. And even she says that was incredibly sappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. but it's also true. Ginny turns to him and says, I make you smile. And he says, yeah, you do. And she says, that's good because you have a beautiful smile. <laughs> and yeah. He says, no, yours. Yeah. I love you more. I love you more. And then she slips. <laughs> I've always loved your eyes. And he's like, always? It's been, what, two weeks? Yeah. 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 It's like, well, uh, since we met, obviously. But yeah. They're so just mean. won't tell you when that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> That would be an awkward conversation. We met when I was 10. Yeah. Does the phrase pickled toad, speckled toad, mean anything to you? No, it's green as a fresh pickled toad. That was it. Yeah. (laughs) And she says she thinks she can see things in his eyes. Yeah. And he wonders what she sees. And she says, I see forever. 
because she can't think what to say. <laughs> I see you 10 years ago, except not you, but um, yeah. still you. <laughs> she wants to know what forever looks like, and she reaches up and takes off his glasses. And she says, it looks like power and strength. I see someone who's a natural leader, but who has such a great capacity to love that it takes my breath away. And he's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah well. He doesn't feel strong and powerful at all. And um, he says, I'll bet you had a lot of friends. She says, I used to be popular, but that's when I was back in school. I was a troublemaker. <laughs> now that I can believe. <laughs> and uh, she can't go back because she's been kicked out of her own country. Mm-hmm. She's a political dissident. Right. I do like <laughs> her little like her. philosophical paragraph about the differences between the power and the way that Harry had felt and the way that Joe feels, but he still has that sort of presence. Yeah. He still has the presence, but it's twisted differently. It's, it's reined in a little bit. Yeah. Well, she also can feel the magic, but he doesn't have any concept of it. Mm -hmm. You know, she knows that's there. He's back to where he was before he Hagrid came and revealed everything. Yeah. He doesn't know. He has no idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Just, but yeah. and she, she, her story it, of telling, sorry, her story ahead. of telling, you know, saying that she's been kicked out of her country, um, just totally, he's just laughing his head off now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants to know if he, she tried to assassinate someone. And she's like, nothing that intense. I just didn't agree with something the government was doing. And I got a little uh, vocal, vocal about it. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's just hysterical. Just, he thinks that's funny. <laughs> it's a very serious situation. Mm-hmm. If she couldn't go to her brother's wedding. And he yeah. says, well, sorry about that. Yeah. He wants to know if she's going to go back. And she says, well, you know, I think I'm where I belong mm-hmm. right now. This is, I think this is the first chapter where we've actually had the chapter title in the chapter. Yeah, right where I belong. Right. And since they're doing things, they're going fairly well at the moment. She asks him if he remembers anything from before his accident. Yeah. And he admits... It wasn't an accident, but they wouldn't tell him much about what it was. It was just part of something. Secret, something important. They wouldn't tell me anything. And so she says, military? And he says, well, maybe. I don't know. I don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. I'm tired of sitting. My arse is asleep. He's like, <laughs> your arse? Your arse. <laughs> yep. Now stop paying a pain in my arse and walk with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And now I have we've more from, sappy moments. Yeah. From yes. I like it when you laugh. It makes me smile inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting phrasing, but really, yeah. It's a, yeah, well, you know, it's. You're dipping into romance novel territory. It's fun being sappy. It is. <laughs> Every now and then. It really is. She wants to know if, if Sam survived the night. Yeah. That's and he's like, well, he was fine before Pearl came back from college. And she's like, Pearl went to college? What? <laughs> mm-hmm. You're kidding, right? Because he used, he used to live in the apartment she lives in now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. He just sort of fell into it because he was there and he was shorthanded behind the bar and he just sort of helped. Yeah, he's kind of done it all. Okay, this next part, I love this next part. Okay. They're so walking along. Spooky. Yes, it is. And they are approached on the street by a fortune teller. Yeah. Aww. Who is going to who will read their card. I do you both $10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And best be warm, mister, of anything in the future. Mm-hmm. I do three cards for you both. 
tell you past, present, and future. And they do Ginny yep. first. Right. And she gets the Ginny hanged gets man. The hanged man, which is voluntary sacrifice. And the hanged man, for those of you who don't know tarot, the hanged man is a artwork of a person hanging from a tree by his foot upside down. And he is complacent. He is willingly doing this. He's contemplative. And so and it's not version that I've seen also has a throat cut. I'm not sure um, if that's that's not that's not a traditional, I don't believe. Um okay. That's, but this is a, this is a, a willing sacrifice. This is somebody who's doing this willingly. willingly. Okay. And in her case, it was devotion and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. The you, next card. You're a good woman. And, yeah, you're a good woman. And the next card is the high priestess. And Ginny knows that one. And Ginny knows this one. And it's, mm-hmm. you have a secret. And it's a major arcana card. All of these are majors. And, All the ones and with so, names. Yeah. The rest of them are just suits like your regular cards would be. And you're going to get, and all of them have different things. Like the three of swords is a certain image and, and talks about what's in the image and things like that. They're all, they're all descriptive, but mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're not dealing with the minor account of here. They're just dealing with the major. So we have the secret. That's the present. She has a secret. Right. Yeah. And she's getting uncomfortable because, well, yeah, she does, but yeah. yeah. Joe wants to know if it could be about not being able to go home. Cause... And she says, you know, I'm not sure. But this woman is, Ginny's starting to pick up that she's got some talent in yeah, this. this woman she in she wasn't expecting there's him to be, to be any sort real of real magic. divination on the right. middle of the street. But So the last yeah. one she picks up and it is, I don't remember. Um, it's a woman and a lion. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the name. car. And I'll have to do, I'll have to look that up. I don't know up. what that would be. It's not one I've come across. You believe in the power of love. You have strength yeah. and courage. Strength and courage. And it's it's a woman who's calming a lion is what it is. And it's the love of a woman calming the beast is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it's the beast. It could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. Yeah. Right. And this is where Ginny starts to really feel the power of the woman. And she says that the magic's deep in her eyes. And it's dark and more mysterious than Ginny's ever imagined seeing. And I imagine that's the the gypsy, yeah. voodoo, New Orleans kind of magic. And it would be a different right. kind of magic. Sure. Which is why I think Bill would fit right in here. You Charlie know? would probably do okay, too. Yes, I agree. I agree. Charlie would, too. So Joe does his. The past is the hermit. hermit. Yeah. Hiding from the world. Now, oh, does that sound familiar at all? You need help, but refuse it when it comes. Hmm, yeah. I must do everything by myself. Yeah. And Joe's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one is the, the president, emperor. the emperor, and power it's power and strength. And strength. Being the chosen one. Yeah. Oh, God, that you are chosen. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Jenny just wants okay. to head palm. Yeah. <laughs> He just wants to like. I think it's time to go now. now. <laughs> She's having a um, fourth movie moment, or I can't remember which movie moment it was. I guess fifth, I guess, because it was Umbridge with all the um, newspapers flashing in front of everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, she almost tells him the truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. she almost does, and it's you fear powerlessness. You don't like the people in authority. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, let's see. Let's think about being tied to a table. Hmm. Let me think about that. Let's see, we have. Uh, Authority. We have Fudge. We have Scrimger. We have Winters. Um, we, we have, have uh, well, and we did have Umbridge, and we did have Baltimore. I mean, come on, yeah. if you want to stretch so, it. 
Donald Norman. Snape? Yeah, I was thinking Snape. And to some extent, you have D- Dumbledore. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. That's true, too. He wasn't always he was so Harry. pleased with that, either. But Dumbledore was... Dumbledore really tried to be an enabler more than he tried to be a hinderer. Because, you know, he was it, just... I, I think it's more the fact that he withheld information from Harry, and therefore that just kind of carries mistrust of authority figures. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, that makes sense, too. But- Especially so, everyone he's ever encountered in political authority has been rotten. Right. So. Yes. Right. Except for one. Shackleford. Yeah. Kingsley. Well, he was in this story, at least he was only there for three months. Right. Six months, maybe. Right. And then he was in charge of the oars or Robars mm-hmm. was or somebody. I don't remember. Yeah. So the third card is turned over and the third card is a black knight on a white horse. Right. Which is the card for death. Mm-hmm. Now, death does which not nobody mean... ever likes when it turns up because they all assume the same thing, right? right. Which is and exactly actually, what Joe assumed. And if you think of, and if you know tarot at all, the one that you don't want isn't death. It's the lightning struck tower. Mm-hmm. That's the one with destructive change. Right. Death means change. Death means the end of something and the beginning of something else. It that, can that, be sudden, it can be major, right. but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And it's what it is, it's a change in the journey. That's what death is in tarot. Right. But he's running. And yeah. she's frantically trying to explain to him what this means. And he says, what if I don't want my life to change? She says, it doesn't always mean for the worse. I don't says, like well, change. It, it changed already when I walked into the bar. It, was that a bad change? And he says, right. I don't know what to think. And that's not exactly what she wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And finally, she says, don't let those silly cards tell you what your life is. Don't let them tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. She is sort of left to think to herself again because he hurries off. She doesn't really blame him for being shaken because there's all so much that he's hiding from and all this stuff. Well, she decides she's hiding, too. Yeah. And she knows that this isn't his fault and she needs to let him know. Yeah. He yeah. needs to know that, which has never been one of his stronger points, whether it's Joe <laughs> or Harry. Yeah, I was going to say, either way, it doesn't matter. And that is the end of chapter 18. That's where we're leaving you tonight. It's where we are leaving you tonight. He has taken her home. He has left her at her apartment. He stormed off. Well, he's not so much stormed off, but he's Hurrying really... anyway. Yeah. He's... he's caught up in himself at this point. Yeah. So we now... That was an interesting to... thing. To I've summarize, never, okay, go ahead. Tarot is never something I've done, and I've never really got into it in great detail, but I've read a number of things where it's featured, so the cards that happen to come up in those I know about. But mm-hmm. I never thought of the fact that the, the tower is one Give, of the major cards, and hold, there's hold a on. lightning struck tower in Harry Potter. Right. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Can you hold <laughs> on for just a second? I'll be right back. Hold on. I'm going to go get my deck. Hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's going up for the tarot cards. She's a deck. <laughs> Not only entertaining, but educational as well. There we go. So it's getting good. Scott, you still haven't read to the end? Nope. This is as far as I've gotten. I've read the first sentence of 19, but I quit after that. I was checking to see whether that was where we'd meant to stop. The next sentence is nineteen. I've never actually been read tarot before. I think I have. I think Mom has a deck. Somebody I know has a deck. Well, it's very frowned upon in my yes. upbringing. Like, I have a lot of friends who, like, do it as a joke, and that's fine. But, like, my parents being who they are, it's just like, oh, you don't go near that stuff. You don't believe in astrology, none of that. And it's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to get fortune cookies? Yeah, well, those aren't fortunes. <laughs> They're not what? Anymore. 
They're not fortunes anymore. Well, They're sayings. Mm, some of them are still fortunes. Things like well, you will. Here, really. They're all very vague, of course, but you know. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't put you on mute before I went upstairs. You're fine. Well, don't worry. I have a friend of mine who passed away several years ago who was in the middle of writing a book on tarot mm-hmm. that I did some typesetting and proofreading for. So, okay. a major arcana. Um, Give me a second here. Seeing if you can find our line. Yep. Well, the one that I've experienced most recently, a few weeks ago now, I read a trilogy uh, by Hilary Bell. Mm-hmm. Where it's a fantasy story. They have tarot cards in their world as well that she's made up sort of her own version of a number of them. Mm-hmm. And they all have their own origins in their history. Like mm-hmm. the Hanged Man is the first king of this country who willingly um, had himself sacrificed and drained his blood to the soil so that some, I think there was a major drought or something that was going on. And since that time, his heirs have had this crown of earth. They're connected to the land and all that sort of stuff. And at the point in the story, the true heirs have been lost and we have to sort of discover these three symbols, the um, sword of waters, the um, shield of stars and the crown of earth. Again, those are the Mm -hmm. names of the trilogy as well. But every chapter is headed by a tarot card, Mm -hmm. which has something to do with what's going on in the rest of the chapter. Mm -hmm. It'll be her suits are waters, stars, fire and earth. And she goes through, and so we learn about the, I don't know, 50 or so cards that show up in these various chapters. It's kind of interesting. Strength on here is a man found the tower. It's not the lightning struck tower, it's just the tower. Mm-hmm. And it's death is... a collapsing tower, isn't it? It's being struck by lightning. Unforeseen catastrophe, disruption of one style or life of a way of thinking, may be followed by enlightenment. Okay. The one for... Strength, which in here is a man, courage, magnanimity, persistence, patience, spiritual power, able to offset any bad luck and surrounding cards. I think that's probably what they pulled with the woman and the lion because strength has that image. It actually has a a man with a wolfhound instead of a woman in a... It's a different deck. Each deck is different. I have two different decks. I have an Aquarian deck, which is... A very traditional deck. And then I have another one that was done by a different artist and their imagery is different. You may have a woman instead of a man and you may have, you know, a horse instead of a bear, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, death is death, rebirth, generally in areas of one consciousness. Great changes in one one's life. That's what death, the card, signifies. The high priestess is the feminine principle of love and relatedness, the ideal wife and mother, supportive of those she loves, mystery, wisdom, unrevealed influences at work. So maybe that's where the secret part comes from. Yeah, it's the it's the unrevealed influences, right? Mm-hmm. He pulled the emperor, which is authority, one who yeah. is master of his emotions, active intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and and of course, there's reverses of all of these as well. So. Nothing applies in every single way at all. You all of have course to, not. That's why there are people who interpret them. That's why they read them, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and like I said, that those are all from the major. From the minor arcana, you've got all kinds of other imagery. So it looks <laughs> like she mostly kept the major ones as they are and just fiddled with the rest of them. And she gave different backstory to some of them. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you've got the hanged man and the fool and the... That's what Storm I want to look at. The hanged man yeah. is one of the first ones. The fool is somebody who's stepping off into the unknown. 
Mm-hmm. The hanged man. Where is it? Hanged man. One must die to the social order to dispense justice or to continue one path of growth. Can denote spirituality, intuition, and self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jenny had for her past was the hangman. Mm. So there we go. So to summarize today, we've had someone um, lost again. We've had a revelation. We've had a discovery. And now we are having a, a rediscovery of emotion. Yeah. yeah, we've learned about the project. We've found all their files. We've tracked down the senator. And finally, we've tracked down Harry. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> and uh, now she's working for an oyster bar. That's right. <laughs> Always fun. There you go. Uh, yes, but... Things she you hasn't... didn't think you were going to do when you became an aura. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Let's see. Uh, Quidditch player or bartender. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, things are moving up. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Moving right along, right. So um, we have two more podcasts on this story yeah. that we're going to do. Hopefully you'll... Yeah. Although I imagine since we are now moving at a snail's pace, people are either chomping at the bit or have now finished the story. <laughs> like some people I believe next week we'll be going through chapters 19 through 23. Yes. And then the week after that, we'll do the two interludes and the remaining chapters. Right. There's some action adventure coming up yes. as well. Some other self-discovery <laughs> to say things like that, but. After we got finished with the podcast last week, I ended up rereading it. That my Skype for a couple of days was, "I'm so tired, and it's all Andy's fault." Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> so I've gone to look, and what we have is chapter 19 through the first interlude for next week, and then chapter chapters 24 through the epilogue for the last. Right. So we are going to right, cover then. the first interlude, which is called Pages, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm. Yeah. And so, Kat, yes. what are you doing? I get a plot bunny. <laughs> oh, okay. uh-huh. We can hear you typing. It's like... Sorry. It's like, oh, I've got Aaron back. Wait a minute. Something's wrong. Okay. Just type quiet. And we're almost done, so it's cool. But I was just like, what is that sound? Because Scott was typing earlier, and it was a totally different sound. So I was confused. Yeah. So, so, yes, I'm still really enjoying this story. I'm a little surprised that Ginny went as far as she did with the senator. It seems, looking at it on its own, it seems out of character for her. But in context, you can see where it comes from. So Well, think of also where she was mentally at that mm-hmm. point. That's what I mean. She's, she didn't care. She's pushed she beyond was, yeah. anything. At that point, she's really, she's strung out because she's been searching everywhere. She's operating all over the place, which has got to take a toll on you and all of this stuff. And she's, well, she still doesn't know at at Mm -hmm. the point where she's talking to him. She doesn't know if he's dead or alive Mm -hmm. until she gets a confirmation from Donald. Yeah. That he is alive. I love the way you said that, Donald. <laughs> Donald is a family Donald. name on my mom's side. <laughs> so it's, it's like, how many Donalds do I have? Um, Three. <laughs> you can call him Norman if you like. 
It's another person with uh, two first names. First name for a last name. Yeah. Oh, well, I suppose it was probably a last name before it was a first name, really. It just means you were French and came over in 1066. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have lots of family around that time period that I trace back to. Harold. Mm-hmm. I was related to Harold, along with probably 8.6 million other people that are alive on the yeah. planet at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what yeah. you're saying is that you're not very special? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. we think I'm you're special. special. You're special. Yeah, I'm, I'm special. Short bus helmet wearing special. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh-huh. So join us next week. Same Potter time, same Potter channel. Yeah. We hope it's next, next week, week anyway. We'll see. Next time. Next for us. For Potter thick whenever the heck we can release it. Right. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. By the way, were we going to tell Kat's Jan stories? Because we don't have Jan to ask how her week has gone, so we could ask Kat what's happened to her lately. Oh, okay. I had a toilet explode. I don't know. I was thinking about that earlier. We have, we have plumbing things. I had a garbage disposal replaced. Yeah, there you go. I nearly died. That's right. Cat nearly died. You tell your story, Cat. We'll put it at the front. Sue here, your friendly neighborhood editor. I decided to leave this section back here instead of moving it to the front. Enjoy our Puffo stories. It's been a Puffo week for all of us. All right, so I had to go to the ophthalmologist on Tuesday before my midterms. So I went to the ophthalmologist and he did his thing and can't dilate my eyes till next week because I had midterms. And so I went to the McDonald's right next door. Now, granted, this is on State Street, so this is a big McDonald's. And I kind of wanted to go in the back and listen to my podcast and study a little bit. So I get a salad with whatever I'm getting because it's only a dollar and it makes me feel semi-healthier when I'm getting a salad. So, you know, I put my, my ranch dressing over my salad and, you know, I'm digging into it and I'm, I'm giggling. I don't know why I was giggling. I can't really remember at this point. But ranch dressing goes up my nose. Suddenly I cannot breathe. And I'm doing the... Ugh! And nobody moves. So I'm going like, okay, this is bad because if I die, I can't take my midterms and everybody wondering who is this chick that passed out on the floor at McDonald's and I'm going to make the news and everything's going to be interesting. Yep. And then people are going to wonder, like, a week from now, are going to wonder, like, where I am because I'm in the middle of, like, I'm in Chicago, but as far as the world of football is, I'm in the middle of sodding nowhere. There's no one near me. The nearest person is seven hours away. So, like, no. I won't make the news. I'm not seven hours away. I'm only five hours away. If you drive fast. If you take right. breaks, you're seven hours away. Except if I get on the, what is the name of the expressway? The Dan. The Dan uh, Ryan. Yeah. If I get on the Dan Ryan expressway, add two hours. Yeah. Yes. I am amused because that has the names Dan and Ryan in it. Yeah. <laughs> Very well. I have pictures of parking on the Dan Ryan Expressway. I parked next to the L. I could have gotten on the L out of my car and gotten to where I was going faster than if I would have been driving. It was the thing about Chicago that you need awful. to know is any place that says quote unquote expressway, it's not an expressway. It's a parking lot. It's a parking lot. Yeah. yeah. I nearly choked and you know, this wouldn't be so bad except for the fact that like I've been having a series of bad like moments. Like I'm I, I'm a bit of a clutchy person, but I'm not generally an accident prone person. 
I've been having more and more accents as my tenure at Popo has, you know, so I'm turning into Jen and I'm like, God, I don't need this. I don't need this in my life. Like I drove into a ditch last April and it's just like, yeah, the yeah. car is fine. I'm famous for that too, I know. So far, there have been no giant animals. Except for the deer that I, that almost ran over me. Yep, and Trisha got run over by a deer, too. Oh, oh there's also the fact uh, my, my alley got invaded by, like, um, infected rats. Oh, so, that's uh, always hey, good. I have a rat story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. She has a rat story. I went out to the chicken coop the other night to get eggs, and we have two chicken coops, and the one chicken coop has a set of nine nests in it for eggs, and then on the wall there's six more nests. And then if you come out of there... The people that built the house built a chicken coop with the nest boxes outside of it. So you lift up like this lid, it's on hinges, and there's three nesting boxes in there. So I lift up the lid expecting to get eggs, and I come face to face with Peter the Rat. Nose to nose. Who isn't afraid of me at all. He sits up with his cute little ears and his cute little paws, and he sits up and he looks at me, and I'm like, hi, Peter. And he didn't, he truly didn't move until I swung the egg basket at him to get him out of the way so I could reach in and get the eggs. And then he just leisurely crawled over the top and went out, so. He, he was waiting for the flatware, don't you know? I guess he was. I need to have a talk with Alex and Bernie and tell him that lunch is available in the chicken coop. <laughs> Of course, Bernie's gone on to bigger game because I went out to the day and found a... Oh, a headless rabbit. A headless rabbit. Oh, dear. I think it was a rabbit. <laughs> it didn't have a head. I was a little confused. <laughs> it was a headless something. And it grossed me out big time. A small furry mammal of some sort. Mm -hmm. Scoop it up in the dustpan and throw it in the trash. It was awful. Aw, hug. Was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yuck. <laughs> so, anybody else doing anything fun, Poofwanian, that we need to add to the front of this podcast? <laughs> I'm going I'm going to Herman this weekend. This is my weekend trip. I have friends coming in from out of town. And Hilly, probably... are you going to the, are you going to the, sorry, can you? Am I going to the what? Rock concert? The new rock star concert. No. Oh. We should probably close out this podcast since we're getting close. Oh, to the wait. Yes. There, well, there was the, well, that made the forum so everybody knows on the podcast, but I did get my tattoo. You did get a tattoo and it's awesome. Cool. I like that it says mischief managed underneath. That's actually, um, that is at Rockstock. I roam with all these girls and we call ourselves the Room of Doom and we are actually canon now, which is like oh, awesome. It made the Marauders map. So we all decided to get Mischief Manage tattooed somewhere on our bodies. And I just decided to do it as one whole thing because, yeah. Because you really don't want to go do it again? I don't really want to, you know, I don't recommend this for anybody under 18. But once you're over 18, it's really something to experience. It's, it's interesting. It's, you know, I spent a good year playing with this Hufflepuff crest idea and a good nine months with this adding mischief managed to the bottom of it and i thought about you know changing it around and everything but i spent a good year with with this to make sure that i wasn't going to get sick of it that it was a good representation of this time period in my life and it hurt like hell but the results are worth it yeah I'm amused, by the way. I'm just been scrolling through the comments. Apparently, Pearl is partially inspired by Ella. Yes. AKA <laughs> Dead Wog Picker. Doesn't surprise me in the least little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing no, the particularly Buffwanian happened to me. We lost Cat again. I know it's ringing. Oh, there she is. There I am. 
So, did anybody have further comments on these chapters? We lost her again. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens next. Although I've read it all at one point, I, I gotta. I don't remember. So I'm I don't think I haven't read it at all. So I'll just have to see. Yeah. Well, I I hope you enjoy it. We have some angst coming up, but nothing like we've had. <laughs> and we still want Melinda to read this. Melinda! <laughs> what? I was going to say at the end, we, we finally made a podcast on this fic without mentioning Melinda once. Uh, <laughs> Oops. We mentioned her to begin with, and then I think I've mentioned her at least once every time. Melinda, we really want you to read us. <laughs> so I think that probably wraps us up for this episode. And... You will see us in probably a few weeks, and we'll have another set of chapters for you. So, good night, everybody. Oh, and if you, and if everybody, if anybody has any comments or voicemail, anything you want to share with the rest of the community, please, please feel do free. send it in. Yeah, yeah, send it in, and we'll attach it to the next podcast. Yep. So, or if you're missing a microphone and you still want to say things, just send us what you'd like to say, and one of us will read it for you and stick it on that way. Right. So, yep. yes, please do. You know, and I have to say, I was reading all of these. I went back to the live journal and read them because I was trying to read them with fanfiction.net and it kept crashing. Ah. But I went back to the live journal and read these and, of course, was like, gee, why hasn't anybody commented on these since April of 2009? And I'm thinking, probably because the podcast hasn't been released yet. Uh. <laughs> it won't be released for another six months. Yeah. <laughs> so, please, do leave some. Do leave some love for me. Yeah. This was a really good story. Yeah, they, you know, leave it on fanfiction.net. If you're not a member of fanfiction.net, leave it on her live journal, mm-hmm. you know, or somewhere, and um, she'll appreciate it. She was really surprised. We got an email back from her that said that she was surprised that we were reviewing it and humbled. <laughs> we get that a lot. I'm so humbled. Yeah. Like, Everyone's <laughs> shocked by us. I know. I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> we're just shocking people. That's right. It must be my electric personality. I don't That's know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe no, Trisha. She's the one who always gets shocked. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm my, it's my magnetic personality. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh well okay did we, we still cat no, get, get cat back my body lies over the ocean um, my body lies over the sea, the sea. there she is I got her but I don't have her on my list okay. stay tuned after the exit music to have a little blast from the past it's Ryan's birthday today and so I have included the birthday master fic that was uh, originally done for his birthday several years ago. I hope you like it. So we're going to say goodnight. Yeah, say goodnight. Goodnight, good everybody. Everyone. Good night. Good night. Bye. 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 So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Masterfic Theatre was made possible by contributions from members of the Potterfic Weekly Forum. Visit it at potterficforum.com.
Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Master Fic Theater. Tonight, Master Fic Theater brings to life selected portions of the epic comedic fanfiction, The Shoebox Project. In the following scenes, four boys well known to us all receive some version of the dreaded talk. We begin with one serious black. On reflection, we probably should have left the house, or at least the living room, but I wasn't really thinking that far ahead. What with James and his family visiting an aunt, work not starting until eight, and me only being half-dressed when Sophie, wearing my favorite yellow sundress, knocked on the door. But still, I might have at least considered the possibility that something might happen, but I didn't, and now it's too late. Uh, uh, excuse me, I'm terribly sorry. I should have knocked. Uh, no, no. Excuse us, Monsieur Potter. We did not mean to disturb you. No, uh, no. Not disturbed a bit. Uh, Sophie, not at all. Perfectly natural. Everyone's got their pants on. <laughs> I, I just came home a little early. Uh, I'm going to go put my hat away. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> You're like a little boy. It's only a kiss. Or a few kisses. He's James's dad. I'm living in their house. And you are 21 years old. He is an adult, Cherry. You both are. Right. Right. Adult. Yes. All of us. Uh, so, Vantaire. Uh, that's 21 in French, right? <laughs> you are so funny. Well, I must be off. Au revoir. I just spoke with Mrs. Potter, and we thought we thought it would be a good idea to talk about certain um to talk about in light of your relationship with Sophie, and it being our pleasure, but our duty also to have you under our roof, our roof. And so we thought that it would be best to talk about certain to talk. Do you see, when you come to a certain age, there are certain desires that certainly come to the forefront, I'm certain, of any young man's mind. Oh, certainly. So I bought some, some literature. Hamlet's. I will never be able to look this man in the eye again. What was that serious? Um, uh, nothing, sir. Well, how does this one sound? It's perfectly natural. Oh, what, um, uh, sir... What's perfectly natural? Well, uh, well, it is. It. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's no escape. All is black. Uh, sir, are you... Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Yes, indeed, Sirius, my boy. We just thought you should know that while it is, of course, a beautiful and natural part of the human experience, and, of course, uh, a wonderful expression of love between two consenting adults, or <laughs> nearly adults. Now, of course, certain precautions that need to be uh, taken, things that need to be taken into account. Uh, uh, yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, precautions are already taken, uh, and uh, so on. Uh, Sophie and I are very, very precautious. 
Uh, not that uh, they need to be taken, uh, because uh, not necessary. Uh, and it's all in the pamphlets. Righto. You're like a son to me, serious lad. Thanks, Mr. Potter. Uh, really, thanks. Let's keep it out of the house next time, shall we? <laughs> oh, don't forget. Uh, the pamphlets. I want to die. Oh, my God. They're illustrated. I'm crawling under my bed now to await death. She cornered me on the way to the shower with a look that said, Don't think you're safe, James Potter. I made a break for it, knowing that if I timed it right, I could leave out the bathroom window to my death and disfigurement just in time to avoid the inevitable. Unluckily, the inevitable had just finished washing the floors and managed to tackle me as I slipped on a wet spot and fell headfirst into my own lamentable fate. How are you then, son? You're sitting on me. I think you've perforated a lung. I have pamphlets for you. They suggest speaking to your children about sexual intercourse. Ah, intercourse before they reach the age of 18. And so here I am. I have to break away from the scene for a moment to say that I know now that I will never, ever have sex. Someday, in the near future, once I wear Lily down for the second time and find myself locked with her in a passionate embrace, her lips sweet and her hair against my hands, I will remember, suddenly and without warning, the lone image of my mother peering down at me from behind thick-rimmed spectacles, her grey hair wild from humidity and chores, saying, sexual intercourse triumphantly, and that will be the end of that. All right, I have to go back to the scene. Sexual intercourse is one of the most beautiful things that two people can share, assuming that, of course, those two people are both willing and enthusiastic. La, 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 la. Oh, and both be... are fully aware of the risks and consequences that sexual intercourse brings with it. Of course, magical medicine has made great inroads into prevention and relief for many afflicted with sexually transmitted diseases. Uh... But pregnancy lasts forever, and the emotional consequences of an unplanned or unwilling sexual encounter can be lifelong. Did you get this out of a book? Why are you doing this? Did you catch Sirius out with Sophie, and now I have to suffer? You need to be informed. Now, of course, I'm sure you're very curious about all these new feelings you're having, and I want you to know that you needn't be ashamed of any of them, and I want you to ask me some of those burning questions. Your parents can be a fountain of knowledge about sex in all of its many forms. Mum? Yes, dear. Don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. I have to go take a shower. Forever. You are a little ripe. New glands, of course. Puberty! What a beautiful thing! I can never speak to you again. I'm going to move to Siberia and become a nun. Thank you, Mum, for shaping my life this way. Dear, I understand you're a little hesitant, but please understand that we, your father and I, know from personal experience that sex can and should be one of the world's most beautiful things and you should never be ashamed of yourself sexually or holy god in heaven i proceeded to hurl myself into the bathroom slamming the door for a few moments i just sat on the toilet trying not to weep like a child prongs pads is your dad out there 
I'm never going to have sex. Life no longer has any meaning. Neither do breasts. I'm becoming a nun. Do you want to help me research nunneries? I am going to become a castrato and sing at the opera. Why, Prongs? Why, why, why? It's your fault, you and your French poodle. I am full of misery. The end is nigh. I blame you, you and your uncontrolled urges. My pamphlets are illustrated. My mum is a madwoman. Your dad tried to tell me about the fox of life. My mum used the phrase sexual intercourse. He said the word certainly at least ten times in one sentence. She spoke about her and my dad and, you know. Oh, God. You win. I, Remus Lupin, realized halfway through dinner that no one had spoken to me since we sat down to eat. Glancing up, I realized that my parents were staring at me, as if they were in the middle of a Sahara. My mom and dad, two circling vultures, and me, a helpless gazelle, on his last leg. I tried not to choke on my food, forcing it down my constricting throat. Um, uh, good peas? We have to talk. What did I do? I didn't do anything. No, 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 of course not. You didn't do anything at all. Is one of you dying? <laughs> of course not, darling. We just, well, we noticed that you've borrowed my book. Your book? What book? Oh, God, do they know? They couldn't know. Maybe literary dreams are some kind of Lupin family thing, and when they start, you're just about to be initiated into the Lupin family secret. Uh, I just... I wanted to look up some, uh, dreams. We know. We just wanted you to know that these dreams can happen to everyone. What? They do? Of course they do, sweetheart. You see, when you reach a certain age, your body starts to have certain urges. No, uh, no urges. There are no urges. Of course there are, and they're perfectly normal. It's hormones, you know, a function of the body, nothing to worry about. No urges. No urges. There's no need to deny it. We understand that you must be feeling confused and alone and possibly intimidated. It is, after all, a new phenomenon. You must be asking questions like, What's happening to me, and am I the only one? But you aren't alone, dear. I went through it myself. No urges. Now, Remus, we thought that since you enjoy reading so much, a few books on the subject would prove very useful. Am I still speaking English? It sounds like English to me. Why aren't you listening? No urges. No urges. Well... Uh, that man at the bookstore suggested this cartoon version for young men. Do you want me to take a look? Not if it's about urges. I get it. No urges, right? We'll just leave these in the living room, just in case. I stared down at my peas. From now on, I suppose I won't be able to eat peas. I'll forever associate them with this sick, desperate nausea. My mother's helpful expression and my father's demented, lewd wink of conspiratorial understanding. Ugh.
Remember, dear, we're always here if you need us. <laughs> I, Peter Pettigrew, knew I was in trouble when I heard my mother shrieking from the living room. What I don't know is what I'm in trouble for. It might be anything, except I haven't done anything, but that doesn't really narrow it down. Peter Wimsley Pettigrew, get your tail down to this room this instant. Where do you suppose I found this? Um, I don't know. In the wash. And where do you think it came from? I don't understand. Socks are supposed to go into the wash, aren't they? Intercourse. It is a filthy practice, riddled with disease. Into the bath, young man. Two hours. Do you have any idea the warts, herpes, <sighs> untold infections, unsanitary, disgusting, <sighs> filthy, no son of mine? I slammed the bathroom door behind me and locked it. It didn't even look like one of my socks. It was too small to be one of my socks. It must have been one of my sisters got mixed up in the wrong laundry. I'm not entirely sure all this talk of intercourse comes in and how warts got thrown into the mix, but I don't often listen to Mom and secretly encourage dust bunnies as pets until she takes them away. It, it, it isn't as if I had to listen to her. Oh, well, a nice hot bath does sound lovely. away from the scene for a moment to say that I know now that I will never, ever have sex. Someday, in the near future, once I wear Lily down for a second time, I'll find myself locked with her in a passionate embrace, her lips sweet and her hair against my hands. I will remember suddenly and without warning the lone image of my mother peering down at me from behind thick-rimmed spectacles, her gray hair wild from humidity and chores, saying... Sexual intercourse, triumphantly. Um, okay, several things. Um, the first is, uh, Mike. <laughs> my, my accent? I know. You lost it about halfway through. <laughs> it was so funny. Not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> is he from Baltimore or England? <laughs> I can't figure it out. <laughs> It's a certain suburb of London that's been colonized by people from Baltimore. Exactly. <laughs> New York, yeah. Um, New York. Yeah. I'm or did I lose it? Not just a few. After um, the first paragraph. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't take it too far, but don't. Instead of saying A E I O U, say R E E R A E. Like that type of thing. E is pretty much the same, but yeah. Yeah, E is pretty much the same. But okay. well, the, remember remember what I talked about earlier today, where it wasn't er, it's huh, like um they don't the say the er is basically er uh, it's the same yeah. thing. It's like, uh, uh, huh. it's an uh, uh, sound. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel bad? It was. No, don't feel bad. This is fun. <laughs> but um, Should try your best to keep it up. Her. Okay, I think let's try it again. <laughs> With an accent this time. <laughs> With an accent this time. What's more All right. feeling? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going on mute again. Here we go. And don't forget to laugh because this is funny. I mean, don't laugh at yourself, but laugh in the part unless you know you're supposed to be crying. And don't do that. 
<laughs> she cornered me on the way to the shower with a look that said, Don't think you're safe, James Potter. I made a break for it, knowing that if I timed it right, I can leap out of the bathroom window to my death and disfigurement just in time to avoid the inevitable. Unluckily, the inevitable has just finished washing the floors and managed to tackle me as I slipped on a wet spot and fell headfirst into my own lamentable fate. Yeah, James Potter. 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 Yeah, Potter. Potter. I mean, it's not Potter. <laughs> it's Potter. She cornered me on the way to the shower and with a look that said, Don't think you're safe, James Potter. I made a break for it, knowing that if I timed it right, I can leap out of the bathroom window to my death and disfigurement just in time to avoid the inevitable. Unluckily, the inevitable has just finished washing the floors and managed to tackle me as I slipped on a wet spot and fell headfirst into my own lamentable fate. Etc., etc., etc. He's good. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> lamentable. Sorry, bro, take it lamentable, lamentable, lamentable. Yeah, as soon as I no. said it, I was thinking in my head, oh, God, I did it again. <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> this episode exists due to the enormous organizational talents of Jen and features the voices of Dan, Meg, Chi, Mike, Julia, Richard, Lola, and myself. Thank you very much for listening, and we all hope you enjoyed it. Watch out for our next episode, featuring the seventh Horcrux. Happy late birthday, Ryan. Uh, for your birthday, all of the houses decided we were going to come together. Each of us were going to write and perform kind of a comedy scene to roast you. And the first scene we have is the Slytherin scene. It's written by myself, Mike, us. It's being performed by me as the narrator. Scott's in his most challenging role ever, playing you. We have Jen as Jen, PSPS, and she is being performed by Cody. The day, January 27th. The place, Ryan's Boston Mansion. The setting, the PFW gang is visiting Ryan for his birthday. Conflict, snow. We are going to take a peek into the workings of the PFW's inner circle and how Ryan rules his hosts with an iron fist. Observe carefully his firm control of the gang and the way in which he keeps people firmly focused on the important issues. Perhaps in seeing A Day with Ryan, the members of PFW will better understand how and why our forum runs. Ryan! <laughs> Happy birthday, Ryan! So, what do you want to do for your birth? <gasps> snow! Earth snow? Ryan, look! There's snow outside your window! Well, Jen, this is Boston. But, Ryan... It's so snowy. What else would it be? Again, this is Boston. You know, it snows all the time. It's only my birthday once a year. But Ryan, the sky is dark blue, the sun's shining high in the sky, and the snow is deep. It's like a picture postcard, and people are rushing off to play. Why don't we go join them? I know, P.S., but you don't have to be so descriptive about it all. I feel like you scathed my skin off here. Excuse me, Ryan. I don't know if you realize this, but that's actually the proper use for the word scathed. You know, Chi, this whole conversation really reminds me of this scene from Babylon 5. See, in a way, you are just like Michael Garibaldi, and there was this one time when he... Ryan, stop! There's snow! Outside! Let's go play! Come on! Fine, Jen. Fine.
We can play in the snow. Do you even have a winter jacket? You don't really need jackets in Texas. I never wear them, anyways. See, the last time I wore a jacket, the squirrel got its tail stuck in the Velcro. I tell you, it was horrible. I was walking to meet my father, and the first thing he says to me is, "Jennifer, dear, when did you get a pet squirrel?" And I turn my head, and and there's the squirrel hanging from its tail, stuck to my Velcro. It was crazy. I was screaming, and I was trying to run away from it. Run away from it? I thought it was stuck to your jacket. Well, yeah, but I didn't realize that at first. You see, so I was trying to run away from the squirrel. I, I thought it might have rabies, you know, but it kept following me, or that's what it seemed like at the time. And then it got tangled in my hair. It was scratching. What if it did have rabies? Ryan. You could have rabies, Jen. Ryan, I do not have rabies. Anyway. Finally, my dad grabbed my jacket and ripped it off, and we threw it on the ground. But the squirrel was still attached to it. And then the squirrel—it went to run across the street to get away from all the loud noise. But the jacket was still attached to its tail. And the next thing I knew, my jacket is flying across the street, and the squirrel is running up the tree, taking my jacket with it. How on earth did we get on this topic? Don't ask. Seriously, don't ask. Welcome to my life. We were talking about what to wear into the snow. I know what Ryan should wear. Why do I not like the sound of this? Be afraid, Ryan. Be very afraid. Hushy, you're spoiling my plans.、Uh, plans? I got you this、uh, birthday present, Ryan. I think you should wear it in the snow. What did you get me, Jen? It involves leather, and you wearing leather. In the snow, Jen. I'm not Draco. I don't wear leather. Danielle wouldn't like it. Yes, she would. I've already spoken to her. It's been arranged. Danielle wants you to wear leather. I'm supposed to take pictures for her. She thinks it'd be cute. Um,、uh, Jen. I actually live here. I know people here. I have family. Yes, I... I've talked to your mother. She says you'd better wear it if you know it's good for you. She thinks it's funny. Talk to my mother? <laughs> of course I did, Ryan. And Danielle said she's going to frame the pictures. Looks like you've been outmaneuvered, Ryan. You had to know it was dangerous to introduce Jen to your fiance. I didn't think it would be this bad. So, guys, are we going to the snow or not? Snow. All right. Let's go into the snow. Snow. Yes, Jen. It's that fluffy white stuff. And Ryan, make sure you go try on your leather first. No snow without leather. I like that rule, Chi. I have this great slash fig in mind where Ryan and Leather gets into a snowball fight with Draco and Leather, and they get all hot. And have you been getting into the cough therapy again, Jen? Think about it, Chi. Come on, think about it. Ryan, Draco. Leather.、Mm. What? Oh, wait. What? What did you just say, Jen? Ryan, leather, Draco, slash. What? Did someone say slash? Or I mean, snow. Yes, snow. Are you blushing, Jen? No, but Ryan is. <sighs> I swear. Next birthday, I'm going out west. A nice camping trip in the middle of nowhere, Montana maybe. Oh no, Ryan, you can't. You can't. Yellowstone is in Montana. Er,、uh, am I missing something here? 
Don't ask, BS. Please, don't ask. Well, what's wrong with Yellowstone? It's a time bomb. A ticking time bomb, I tell you. This is getting crazy. I've lost control, and we're already within a podcast. It's crazier than that time in Battlestar Galactica where the Cylons were attempting to take control of the Earth colony, and they were... The what? Don't ask. Seriously. Well, CPS, the Cylons are these human hybrid robots who 50 years ago nearly wiped out humanity in an interstellar war. Following the war, there was a brief era of peace. However, unknown to the humans, the Cylons were really regrouping for another crack. And I warned you. I told you not to ask. Why does no one listen to me? Listen to me. There are a lot of lessons we could take from the perseverance of the Galactica in the face of overwhelming Cylon odds. In episode 8 of the second season, for instance, despite Cylon interference, no! the human resistors were able to take advantage of a gap in the time-space continuum and... No! Uh, ...20th century Earth in order to... Snow! 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 I think Jen wants some snow. Oh, you think? Snow. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Snow. We are going into the snow. People talk amongst yourselves while I go get changed, then snow. Changed into leather? Changed? Just asking. Five minutes later, the gang is playing in the snow. Eat snow, Jen. Snow! Snow! Like my snow castle PS? Very impressive. You have a talent. Snow! It's all about assuring that the castle's center of gravity doesn't get too far forward. I always liked making snow angels myself. Why aren't you playing, Ryan? This isn't a real snowstorm. I can still see the fire hydrants. Snow! Ah, Jen, don't throw snowballs when I'm not looking. Snow off fight. Ah, gee, P.S. Too much snow. Stop. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ryan. Happy birthday to you. And many, many more. Ryan in the Tower, a play brought to you by Ravenclaw House and the letter R. Welcome to this very special episode of Master Fake Theater. Last time we left off... Captain Ryan and the starship Pufwanian were headed to Britain to find and explore this strange thing called Ravenclaws. Admiral G, how are the readouts? We fully prepared for planetary entrance, sir. Entering the atmosphere in five, four, three, two, one. Hold on to your intergalactic strength wire belts. This is Hogwarts, huh? Wait, Dave! Dave! Stop this thing! I would if I could. And due to the wolf Chi tries to keep leashed, the brakes appear to have been severed. The starship Pufwanian crash-landed in one of the high towers of Hogwarts. The inhabitants of the tower surrounded the crashed ship. Where are... Holy crap! I just can't do this right now. 
What have you guys done to your common room? You said I could. It's lopsided and three different colors. But we ran out of space. Well, it's your hat that keeps giving us new housemates. Yeah, we needed more rooms. We have to dunk together. We have to live with a boy. I've gone temporarily deaf. So, what's this thing under the stairs? That's Shiny's room. She likes it because she gets to be in charge of the power tools. Hey, look, she left us a note. Hey, Ravenclaws, it's date night, so I won't be able to help out. I'm sure you all will do great, though. Happy birthday, Ryan. Wait a second, you people have power tools in here? Yeah, there's this cupboard right here. She's a bit attached to the gun. Personally, I think we're finished with it for now. Yeah, our room is finished. No, our room is not finished. You and that monkey. Don't mess with the lemur. It's a lemur. Monkey, lemur, whatever. Just keep it out of my underwear drawer. But how does this tower still stay up? It's precarious. Look, we took time out of our busy brain-teasing math schedule to do this episode of Masterfix. You think we can get back to it? Okay, let's get back to it. The tower is perfectly safe. Headmaster, you were being overly dramatic. Cue the narrator. The Ravenclaws were excited to see the starship and curious to... Overly dramatic? You Ravenclaws could topple it. (laughs) Sorry I'm late for the Masterfic recording. I had to conjure more bronze paint for Kismet. Oh, Headmaster, hello. Yes, I figured out the brain teaser. It's 52 squared to the power of 75. Is that even a number? Look, just don't wreck anything. And if you topple the tower, don't come crying to me. What was that? Never mind that now. Can we please get back to the script? Narrator, go. The Ravenclaws were... Um, Ali, where's the welding gun? Right, oh, here. Wait, oh, where'd it go? Guys, can we get back to the script? Kismet had the welding gun last. She was putting in her extra room. Um, I'm pretty sure we turned it off. Safe. You call this safe? Kismet? What is she doing up there? Why is she up there? She should be here. Is Scarlet even here yet? How can we do this thing when you aren't even ready? Um, Kismet left the snow. Hi. I'm upstairs here. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I have the welding gun and I'm not afraid to use it. <laughs> I really wanted to say happy birthday to our headmaster. And uh, I'm sorry that I'm stuck upstairs here, but I'm kind of covered with blue and bronze paint. And I think that my prefect would kill me if I tramped down the stairs and left footprints. So um, I'm just going to stay up here, and I hope you have a nice birthday. Bye. Scarlett will be late, so she sent me a voicemail. Get off! Get off! Oh, hi, Dave. I am a bit caught up with Audrey, too. She's got her vine around my leg, and she's looking hungry. I'm going to try to get away from her, but if I can't, will you let Ryan know that I wish him a happy birthday? And tell Keza I have dibs on the welding gun. Bye. How can we do this if we can't all get organized? And has anyone seen Jen, anyone at all? No one? Oh, I do hope the propane tanks in Texas are all right. Kismet's up there. I think she was still painting. I'll just go check on her. You people are insane. I mean, I knew about Jen and Chi, but you're all like that. How many countries have you people collectively set fire to? How many toilets across Pufuania are blocked? Are there any koalas left in this world? My heart can't take this. Chi, sort this out. I'm leaving before you all infect me with your brand of insanity. Ah, silence.
Not sure that's a good thing. Um, how many windows are we allowed? Why? Because the lemur just added two and a skylight. I always wanted a skylight. Unfortunately for the production crew, chaos reigned in the tower that night. The crew struggled to complete the audio play, but as often happens in the Ravenclaw common room, free thoughts ruled the day. All right. Places, people. Places, Danielle. The milling crowd of performers continued chatting amongst themselves, ignoring Dan's call. Hey, I called places, Dan shouted more loudly. Yeah? Well, who died and made you the director? Allie asked. Well, Dan sputtered. Someone has to direct this band of fools, otherwise we'll never get this recorded. And I'm the only one with directing experience. Does anyone else here know how to direct? Ooh, ooh, I do, Scarlet answered, her hand raised as she jumped up and down. But you can't direct. You're in charge of the set, Dan explained calmly. But I don't want to be in charge of the set. I want to be the star. You can't be the star. Lady Chi is the star. The crowd groaned, and Dan quickly added, But you're all co-stars. I don't want to be a co-star, Dave whined. I want to be the executive producer. Yeah, and I want to be the creator, Gesset exclaimed. And I want to be the grip, Jen giggled while she wiggled her eyebrows at Dan. People, Dan started once again, trying to bring order to the chaos. Well, if they get to do what they want to do, then I don't want to be in charge of Sam, Wolfie interrupted and threw down his microphone. Well, what do you want to do? I want to be the saucy cabana boy that steals the heart of the starlet, he shouted. He gripped his shirt and pulled, ripping the buttons off and burying his chest. I second that motion, Lady Chi exclaimed as she came running down the stairs. This isn't in the script, Keza argued. I don't need a script. I prefer ad-lib, June interjected. But I already made the costumes, Shinny objected and pointed to her jet black robes. All right. Everybody be quiet. We are never going to get this recording done in time for Ryan's birthday if we can't cooperate. Now, where's Rose? She's supposed to be organizing all of you. I think she went to the kitchens with Celine to get dinner for the wrap party, Kismet added from the back. Kismet, what are you doing? You're getting paint everywhere. Yes, well, you said to paint the set yesterday. You were supposed to paint the set yesterday. Uh, do you want me to stop? Yes, Dan shouted. Snooty directors think they know everything. Kismet grumbled as she threw down her paintbrush and stomped off. This is boring. I want ice cream. Allie... Please, after we're done. Now, come on. Can we please just get to places, everyone? But whose script are we using? Keza asked. Because I didn't write Joe as the saucy cabana boy. This is the worst recording ever. You guys are terrible. Ryan's going to hate this. Dan spun around to face the new voice and found Lego snickering at him. Lego, just what the heck are you doing? Oh, me? I'm the critic. Lego replied with a wide smile. Oh, that's it. You're all fired, Dan shouted and tossed the script into the air, which proceeded to scatter everywhere. We'll just buy Ryan a t-shirt or something. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ryan. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Hello, Headmaster Ryan. This is Julia on behalf of all the Gryffindors, and we would like to wish you a happy birthday, albeit a few days late. This is our contribution to your present. It was written by Cyan Witch, and it is being acted with the help of some of our Hufflepuff friends by myself, Anki, Danielle, Amelia, Lalith, Mike of Slytherin, and Scott. So happy birthday, Ryan. We hope you like this. And thank you, Jen, for saving our butts and recording it. So here we go. Ahem. Late one evening, Ryan Huggles was driving home from work. As he drove, he was listening to the latest episode of Pwncast on his iPod. About half an hour into it, Dan made yet another reference to Julia's obsessive fangirling, causing him to laugh so hard that he nearly lost control of the car and crashed into a gas station for the third time that week. I'll have to pay more attention for now. Why do I keep listening to podcasts while I drive? 
This must be the third time I've nearly crashed into that gas station, and the manager must think I'm crazy by now. At least I didn't kill anyone, so no harm done. He remembered that his fiancée, Danielle, Mrs. Huckles to you, always says, please be more careful. So he turned off the iPod and decided to make sure that he drove safely home that night. A few minutes later, he saw something very strange flashing ahead of him. On the right side of the road, there appeared to be several flashes of light of different colors and what looked like clinging swords. He heard shouts and cries coming from the area. Must be losing my mind, he thought. Well, that appears to be a battle happening right on the side of the road. He abruptly stops the car. The car behind him missed crashing into him by mere inches. After profusely apologizing to the very colorful-mouthed driver, he decided to pull over and take a closer look at what was happening there. There were three different armies on the battlefield, but only two of them were fighting. One of them was wearing a scarlet and gold uniform and was clearly outnumbered by the other side in blue and bronze uniforms. Then he saw that the third army was happily enjoying a delicious-looking meal at a large wooden table, watching the battle, chatting and laughing. Ryan decided to approach them and ask what was going on. Excuse me, may I ask what all these people are fighting about and why you lot are just sitting here watching? Ryan addressed a woman with a beautiful smile and a round face that was sitting at the head of the large table. He noticed that she was wearing some sort of nurse attire while the others were in yellow and black uniforms. At least those people have someone to attend to their wounds in the battle ends. Of course you may ask, young man. The woman replied with a big smile and a welcoming gesture at him to join them at the table. Please, have a seat. My name's Jewel. This is Melinda. She indicated a gorgeous, smart-looking blonde woman on her left. Scott? She pointed to the Jesus-like man on her right. This is Wayne. She gestured towards the dark-haired, round-faced fellow on his left. Lily? Showing the thin, happy-looking woman across from him. Pink. Pointing to the youngest at the table. And donkey. She noted the Indian woman next to Ink. Everyone greeted him in such a cheerful way that Ryan immediately felt like he belonged in this warm group of people. So, what's going on here? The woman named Melinda answered. Well, the end of term approaches, and as always, they are fighting as if their very lives depended on winning. Yeah, they're always amusing to watch. Well, what is this end of term you're talking about? What exactly does the winner get? You see that large clock over there? Brian looked over at where Lalaith was pointing and saw what appeared to be a big digital clock hanging in the middle of the air. It was an unusual clock, in that rather than reflecting the current time, it was going backwards, clearly counting down the remaining time for something. It marked ten minutes left. That marks the end of this school term, and they're fighting to win the House Cup, of course. That was when Ryan noticed a stone pedestal with some sort of golden trophy on it. They're fighting so hard just for that? They're practically biting the heads off each other for Merlin's sake. Yep, and they can't even take the cup home with them. It always stays in the school. My inner eye is telling me that neither can win tonight. Well, why aren't you fighting as well? Don't you want to win the cup, too? Of course. Who doesn't like to win? But even more than winning, we like to enjoy the journey rather than focusing on the goal. If we win, great. But if not, that's great, too. And more importantly, we don't like to fight our friends. It's so pointless. Nothing good can come out of that. Wouldn't this be a better world if everyone stopped fighting and just hugged each other? Everyone around the table lifted their glasses to that. Ryan had to agree. That was practically his motto in life. Seems like the battle will be over soon anyway. The blue team is winning without a doubt. Why won't the red team give up already? They may lose the battle, but would never give up. Not while but one of them is left to fight. It's in their nature, poor things. They can't help it. Suddenly, chaos erupted. A fourth team had appeared, and that army was double the size of the other two. 
The new army, dressed in very expensive green and silver uniforms, rounded upon the remaining warriors on the battlefield. Several of them dropped some kind of bombs or grenades in the middle of the battle, effectively clearing out the field. There was only one minute left on the clock, and there was no way for the blue and red teams to recover from this last-minute attack. It looked as though the green and silver army would win the cup. Wow, that came from nowhere. It was very strategic. That is in their nature. Everyone erupted into laughter. Ryan noticed that some people from the red and blue teams were still in the middle of the field, no longer fighting but arguing with some of the green team members. Ryan heard that they were saying some not-so-nice things to each other. He stood and approached them. Please, don't say such things to each other. If I'm not mistaken, you're all friends, so you shouldn't fight with each other. One person of the blue team and one of the red teams started shouting at the same time, But this is not fair! Jules stepped in. It is a fair win, and there's no rules against what they did. I think you should all leave us behind and enjoy the wonderful meal that's over there and celebrate with your friends. The only reasonable thing you can do now is to learn from your mistakes so it doesn't happen again. We'd never jeopardize your good relations with your friends for anything, right? So now hug each other. The red, blue, and green team members, reluctantly at first, hugged each other. Slowly, they were starting to grin to each other again, and soon all was forgotten. With a feeling of mission accomplished, Ryan said goodbye to everyone and walked towards his car. Five minutes later, he was crashing into the back of Mrs. Huggles' bright red car on the house driveway. Mrs. Huggles came running to the door after hearing the crash. She had a very exasperated look on her face. Ugh, what happened this time? Sorry, hon. I was just thinking about something. Ryan looked apologetic. Mrs. Huggles' expression softened. She couldn't stay mad at him for long. Later that night, Mr. and Mrs. Huggles were watching TV when an interesting commercial came on. A crazy-looking red-haired woman appeared on the screen. She looked more than a little drunk. but he couldn't figure out where. Chuckling to himself, he turned to Mrs. Huggles. Sweetie, I think I know what I want for my birthday this year. The end. Happy birthday from Hufflepuff, Ryan. This is Scott. I wrote most of this script myself with helpful prompting from Anki. It's acted in by Lilith, Melinda, Mike, Julia, Jen, and myself. I hope you enjoy it.
Whenever McGonagall gently closed the door of her office, she couldn't be seen doing what she was about to do. That was Severus's headmaster and the Caros terrorizing the school. She herself didn't truly know what she was about to do, a state of affairs she was most uncomfortable with. But Albus had asked it of her, so do what she would. You must take this, hide it, and keep it safe. I may not always be able to do so. Oh, Alice, that's nonsense. Surely you... Take it, Minerva. If I am wrong, there will be no harm done. Oh, very well. I'll take your... What precisely is it? An object of last resort. If it would come to pass, the weight of all descends on our dear Hogwarts. If the day comes for a final stand, then and only then should you use it. Swiftly, she removed the deceptively plain wooden box the device was housed in from beneath a pile of parchment in her desk. She need only speak the appropriate phrase, and the box would open, revealing the golden contraption within. She pursed her lips in distaste. Elvis and his ridiculous passwords. Huggles. I always wondered where he found such strange things. What on earth could these markings mean? P.F. W. Well, not time to bother about it now. We need all the help we can get. She grasped the appropriate knob and twisted. Give me Potter and I will stay. That is all I ask. You have one hour. One hour to... Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Voldemort? Okay, what's going on? Jen, she, you guys all right? Well, if you're going to fall out of the sky and knock someone unconscious, Tommy Boy's a good one to do it. And various random Death Eaters. Where the heck are we? Well, we're in a clearing, in a forest. Probably the Forbidden Forest, judging by the general spookiness and, you know, Voldemort. Wait, wait. Forbidden Forest, clearing, random Death Eaters, Voldemort, and... Ugh. You know, I already thought he was incredibly tacky, but really, a giant purple microphone says to be, he was making the... But you have one hour speech, we know. Right, yeah. Well, so I guess we're uh, in Harry Potter. That's incredibly cool. Still kind of weird, though. Yeah, I mean, how did we even get here? And will we be able to... Ooh! Wait, Jen? Jen, what are you doing? Well, we're in the Wizarding World, right? We probably got here by magic. So I thought I'd see if any magic worked for me. See, I can make sparks. Where did you even get a wand? Just off the ground here. Jen, you don't go picking up some random wizard's wand, especially a Death Eater. And would you quit waving it around so much? You have no idea what could happen. All right, then. You have a microphone. So run. Next time you're feeling jealous of me, cause I'm so famous and awesome at Quidditch, just remember that time that we took you to Slughorn's office, and you nearly drank yourself to get the
Welcome back to Powder Pick Weekly. This is Ryan. And Jen. And she. We're here at the site of the final battle with Voldemort and a few Death Eaters. Fortunately, they're all unconscious, and the peons have been busy tying them up as necessary. Thank you, peons. Yeah, you're doing a great job. So, Jen, anything interesting happened to you this week? You mean besides falling through a magical portal into the world of Harry Potter and getting attacked by centaurs? Yeah, besides that. Wait, centaurs? Yeah. I guess I must have gone through a slightly different hole than the rest of you. So I came earlier, and I landed on top of the centaur, so I guess he thought I was attacking him, and... Wait, wait, hold up. How are you not full of arrows right now? Well, I just explained to him that I didn't know how I got here, and apologized for falling on top of him, and when we heard Voldemort's message start, we came over this way, so we saw you guys all falling on top of the Death Eaters like that, and he let me go. Right. You know that? I think I'm just going to let that go for now. Just don't go beating a chromatulus or something. Gee, how are you? Good, good. It's not every day you get to be inside a favorite book series, after all. They probably would have been boring otherwise. Hey, if we have magic now, do you suppose I should try to help in the battle or something? I'm not sure we'd be much use. The only one of us who's ever tried magic is Jen, and so far she's only managed to play rock and shoot sparks. Does it seem cold to you? No, it is a little cooler than it was. Strange for summer. What do you think, Jen? Jen? Oh, crap. Am I going to have to go down the list? Do not bait acromantulas. Do not tease the Dementors. Do not try to tickle a giant's foot. Do not tell Lucius Malfoy he's got split ends. Do not... Never mind that. There's a Dementor coming. All right. So what now? Think happy thoughts and hope Pixie Dust makes us fly. Wrong series, Huggles. Pixie here would be just as likely to toss you out a window. Yeah, I guess so. Well, there's not much else to do but face it, is there? I'm sorry, guys. I wasn't even trying to find them. I just... It's fine, Jen. It's done now anyway. Hey, maybe we'll all wake up in our bed afterwards with a weird dream. You all know I love you, right? You too, Huggles. You too. Expect a pattern. Something's wrong. Houston, we have a problem. Hey there, just interrupting for a moment. Apparently there might be a bit of a problem with this point. According to Jen... Ryan will laugh hysterically if you don't say Expecto Patronum right. But I think you might have been corrupted by the movies. You see, way back when they were just doing the first one, and Scholastic had their Harry Potter site up, I went to that, and one of their little activities was a pronunciation guide. It included such things as Hippogriff, Ollivander, and Rowling, but it also included things like Rebaeus, Arceo, Voldemort, Bobaton, and the Patronus charm. Now, it seems to me that if the charm is called the Patronus, the incantation would be Expecto Patronum. Those are my reasons. You may think I'm still wrong, which is up to you. Anyway, back to the story. Well, that was timing. Phew. Thanks, Harry. No problem. Um, how do you know my name? Well, we... Oh, right, right, the scar. Uh, never mind. Um, where's Voldemort? Oh, just over there. He got a bit roughed up when Ryan here landed on top of him, so we gave him some NyQuil. He's sleeping it off. 
think you've got time for an interview while we wait? Um, all right, I guess so. Okay, let's see. What's your favorite moment in the book, uh, your life so far? My favorite moment? Um, well, there have been lots of great moments. My friends, Ron and Hermione, the feast at the school, the first time I rode a broom, um... Well, which one did you use for that Patronus just now? Well, actually, that's kind of weird. Normally, I'd use the first time I'd kissed, uh, that's not for print, by the way, but this time, I had the name Julia come into my head for some reason. I don't even know a Julia. Like I said, it's odd. Do you think we could get a picture of Ron? I don't do photos. It's a... Of Ron. Yeah, Meg really likes him. She'd be so happy. Uh, I really don't know. I suppose you could ask him. He'd probably be all right with it. Um, now is not the best of times, exactly. I suppose not. Let's see, I... What? Uh, nothing. I thought I saw something. Go on. Uh, what would you say your favorite spell is? Summoning charm, definitely. Got me out of loads of trouble, that one. It's a bit hard to learn sometimes, but... What? Nothing. No, you look surprised. Why? No reason, really. I just thought it might be, uh... Spelleramus? Why would you think that? Duh, I grant you, the best thing Lockhart ever did was get himself hexed in front of me. The summoning charm's more widely useful, though. You see, you can... Aha! I have you now, Potter. You let your guard down. Or did you think putting a few Hufflepuffs between us would stop me? Or perhaps this Ravenclaw? A violet Expelliarmus. Blasted Potter, must you keep doing that? Don't you realize how hard it is to duel without a wand? Uh, yeah, that was kind of the point. Thanks, Harry, but weren't you supposed to let him kill you? Drat. Uh, he wasn't aiming at me, though. I don't think I could have gotten away. Now I'll have to find him a wand somehow without him noticing. Never mind, Harry. We'll handle it. Team, get him! Hufflepuffs? Ha! Even unarmed, I am more than a match for... Oh, wait. Wait, what are you doing? Stop that! No, not the hugs. Anything but... Wow, I guess ninja hugs really can kill. Dumbledore always said he couldn't handle love. He was right. Seems so. I'm Ryan. This is Jen and Chi, by the way. I don't think we ever actually introduced ourselves. Nice to meet you. Harry, but I guess you knew that. So, about that picture... I love you.